What is going on, Zero to Hear podcast fans? Welcome back to the show. Tonight's episode, Angelo Miro, very good friend, business owner, entrepreneur, awesome, very interesting, intelligent dude. Runs a pinball business, obviously been affected by COVID-19. So we get to hear his story, how his business has been affected and how he's kind of adjusted the beginnings of that business. We also chat a little bit about Tesla. He uh, is a big fan of Tesla and Elon Musk. So we get the inside scoop on how the cars drive and what he loves about those cars. Enjoy the show. We'd love to hear your feedback. Shoot us a message. Leave us a review. We love you guys. Let's do this. Podcast. I want to talk about podcasts. Okay. You're talking about a tech podcast. Yep. The tech meme ride home. Yeah. Uh, it's Monday to Friday. And I think around, I think 3, 4 p.m. Eastern time it comes out. So around like noon for us. Okay. That's why it's called the, the ride home. And basically it's all the tech news that happened today, like the day of. And so it's fantastic. Mm. So I, I listened to it. Uh, well, now I was on my way here listening to it. And they're talking uh, about NVIDIA. Um, announced their like a new chipset. It's like a mega one. It's about, I um, can't remember how many, it does like 20 uh, trillion uh, teraflops, I think. Anyways, it's about, it's about like 10 times, 10 or 20 times faster than the other chip. And it's, uh, the chip is made for AI. It's not really for gra- graphics. Okay. And it can like process AI almost immediately. So they said like, this is big stuff. So when you buy it, it comes with, um, I think 11 video cards. Or eleven cards, mm-hmm. and it was two hundred. It's two hundred thousand dollars. But essentially, they said like this: the, this this technology will replace a whole. What do they call those tech rooms? Like a a whole a room with full of computers, like a server room. Server room. Mm-hmm. They'll replace the server room with one tower rack. Wow! Right, and they said like the like normally it would cost eleven million dollars for this. It costs about one, and they uh, one million. And uh, I think power consumption was uh, around sixty. Kilowatt kilowatts and the new ones are around twenty three kilowatts, so about a third of the power. So, uh, anyways, it's just that was interesting, and, and uh, I didn't get through it all because just got here. You're like a ten minute drive from my house. But one uh, of my clients is a uh, Bitcoin miner. Yeah, is that what they're called. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that technology would like super help them. Possibly. Yeah, it's got to be geared for mining. I hear though, like the prices uh, of like have kind of shot down so it makes mining very expensive okay because the biggest cost of mining is actually the power consumption and uh now with like you know well not now but as in like three four years ago when the hype started a lot of uh chinese people would or in china they would have like not even rooms but like buildings for full of servers and it was just like they would knock out all the windows and have like big fans (laughs) for the windows just blowing in air and it would just be like you can barely walk through it and there's just servers everywhere and just much power and it's just like you can see like the heat waves coming off the building and so it's hard to compete with that right when they're mining that kind of stuff so crazy yeah but uh mm. speaking of technology uh elon musk was on joe rogan recently yeah he's talking about Neuralink. Mm -hmm. do you know much about that um i follow elon musk very well so i've watched that podcast for sure the two hours it was great um I uh, specifically am more of a Tesla person, but because he does the Neuralink, I follow that and I follow SpaceX. So 
Yeah, it was really interesting. I think he was like, when he said five years yeah. for sticking out, that, he's always optimistic. They call yeah. it Elon time. <laughs> so five uh, years would probably be more like, optimistically like nine to 15, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. He, he would know he's working with the, the people there. He's, I think he's the CEO of that company too. But it is pretty crazy to think like, and I guess like it's true, like we communicate all the time with our thumbs and fingers. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like that's the way you and I were communicating today, Mm -hmm. just with like thumbs. And if you told someone a hundred years ago or whatever, like what, like instantaneously with our thumbs and fingers, like that doesn't make sense, but that's what we do. So now Mm -hmm. we're gonna have a new technology where we just kind of think it, I guess. And uh, yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's a little bizarre to think, but. My really basic understanding of it is they're designing it to help people with like brain trauma and suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever. Right. But in the future, as it keeps getting better and developed, it's going to be potentially a communicative device. Yeah. That's insane. It is. Isn't that crazy to think about? First of all, like drilling a hole into your head to input input this in. And he was describing how it gets put in. He says it's like a half an inch thick, right? So there's some space. Yeah. Well, and he was saying... They designed a robot to install it, and the robot like puts fuses wires with some sort of transmitter in your head. (laughs) And Jorgen was so blown away by this, (laughs) but me too. Like I'm not a very techy savvy guy. (sighs) Don't remember like that kind of stuff is. I don't know. Have you seen that TV show? I think it's on Netflix. It's called like Black something. Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. There's an episode basically on Neuralink, kind of like that. Um, they don't call it Neuralink, but basically it's in the future and you have like little computers in your brain. And uh, you, so you haven't seen it then. No. It's, it, you watch this, it'll blow your mind. So basically it's like, as, as Elon was saying, like it's, it's, there's a computer in your head. So you have your regular life, but it also it's like, it's recording everything. So you can actually mm-hmm. either, either, you don't even need to have a TV. You just like, you have a controller for it. And you're like, okay, like rewind. And you can like rewind what just happened and, or like, I remember like this, I think it was like some kind of like, he was, re- he was, he was like, instead of watching porn, he was like just rewinding to like when he was like sleeping with other women <laughs> and then he would just replay that again. And I was like, well, that's like, that's, that's really weird. But uh, yeah. And uh, so it, it just like this to think about what you can do and like everything is like, like saved digitally. And it's just, it was just, it's so bizarre and it throws you off like, you know. Like, uh, because but then people can have access to it totally. and it's just like, it's, it's the weirdest thing. So I, I recommend it. And actually what happened, um, I think they're on season six. Like this is just, Black Mirror is always like separate little episodes. They have yeah. no, they don't have anything to do with each other. As far as I know, I've only seen a couple of them. So I can't speak on a lot, but what was interesting is, uh, that the, the, I guess the writer of it just recently commented last week says on season six, the world is not ready for, for it because it's too depressed and it's like too realistic. And so he's like, he's canceled it. And he's like, I'm not ready anymore, any books or anything on this. Like yeah. the world's just, it, 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 we're, we're not in a happy mood right now. And uh, this would just like, I guess, blow people's minds away even more, right? So so that's a, watch it. I don't know what the episode called, but it'll, I think it's in the first season and it's probably one of the first episodes uh, on Black Mirror. It's, Have you seen it? Yeah. What, what, I've, seen, I've seen most of the episodes, yeah. Because like, each episode is completely different, right? So it, they introduce like a, a universe kind of setting where like some kind of technology is completely taken over. Yeah. Or just oh. so every every episode is a unique view of something else. So yeah, I saw that one. So essentially every single second of your life is recorded in HD. 
and you can go back and review everything. So people like go to business meetings, right? And then review and see how they spoke or like if they did everything right and whatnot. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. You live your life a lot differently thinking like every, it's basically like everyone's got a camera on them all the time. Totally. <laughs> right. That would like eliminate so much crime mm-hmm. and murder. Mm-hmm. Did you do it? No. Well, let's <laughs> just watch your video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. It's crazy. What other podcasts are you into? Uh, I listen to all the uh, Tesla podcasts. Well, 90% of them. Um, so some of them are just like about, most of them are news and some of them are just like enthusiasts talking about the updates. Um, so yeah, I, I quite, uh, follow all the Tesla stuff. Um, the, uh, how I built this, was it, was it Guy Raz? Is that, is, is that? I, I, I've only listened to a couple of those. So how yeah. I built this is, uh, for the audience that doesn't, never heard of it. It's, uh, it's a podcast about, uh, this great interviewer that interviews entrepreneurs. And people that have built like big businesses, such as like Dell, I don't know the guy's name, but like Dell or um, just any, you know, uh, Laura Bars, mm-hmm. anything that's like, that's kind of boomed and whether they've even sold, sold off their company for hundreds of millions or billions or still, still are running it. Um, it's, it's really interesting to hear people's stories. And, and what interesting thing is the one question he will ask at the end of the episode to all those guests is, you know, uh, what do you owe this to luck? Or like, you know, did you have any luck or was this, was this because of what you have? Right. And uh, I mean, it's interesting to hear what people say, but generally they say like, it was a little bit of luck. Mm -hmm. And, uh, who's that? That was Virgin Mobile, uh, the rich, really, really rich guy. Oh yeah. What's that guy's name, Carl? Sir something. Uh, Richard Branson. Yeah. He was, he said like, I think he, I don't know if he was on the interview, but he also, he has a quote that's similar. Like, Everyone is lucky, but it's how you kind of use that luck and, totally. and make it your own, right? And so, you know, I mean, even in my journey, I've been lucky and blessed in certain ways, but, you know, you, you got to take those opportunities and, and run with them, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just uh, sit back and, you know, no one's going to give you, get you anything. Whether it's luck or even if luck even exists, but I think it's the perception of the person going through it, right? So if you look back on a situation and think, oh, that was pretty lucky, I, I should take advantage of this kind of thing, I yeah. think that's a powerful kind of mindset to have whereas like the other mindset is more like I deserve this right yeah it's almost like I think I work harder because I don't know if I deserve the things that I've got and I just think I've been in some good circumstances and been placed here right kind of thing absolutely yeah I agree it's all, there's so much like I love talking about perception and just like how different people will view a situation and go completely different ways yeah even but that, same. but that I like that that comment in just that. I think it's so powerful to phrase something in a way that yes, that was lucky for me, but I I want to take advantage of that situation I was put in. Right. I can think of so many different things in my whether it's sport career or real estate now of just like, huh? Most people don't get that opportunity. Why was I in that situation? I have no idea, but like I want to take advantage of it. Right. I remember talking to you, I think we're in Portland and uh, you were kind of new into yeah, that a bit. For, for Nick's yeah. party probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, I just remember you telling me like on, like I I know a lot of realtors, but mm. like there's only like a few that I really recommend. It's because like, I'm like, they're trying versus like so people that just sit back. And I mm-hmm. remember like having this conversation with you, you're like, yeah, like I just love what I do. And so like, I cannot, but help 
do it all the time, yeah. right? And you'd like, I just think about it at night and I'll just, you know, if I, something pops in my head, I'll send an email or do whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, like that's, you're doing the right thing then if, if that's the way you feel, right? It's so, so crazy. Like come home, make dinner. And then it's just back on the computer for a couple hours. And most people don't really understand, like, why not just turn it off and do it in the morning? Like, I don't, it's fun. Like, I'm, it doesn't feel like work. But most times when I'm sitting on the sofa at night watching Netflix, I'm not really watching Netflix. I'm like answering emails or like doing research for the next day or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, the last couple months has been very, very strange and different and not as much work. But typically in the spring, it's like just, absolute insanity which is crazy talk about luck luck meeting like a partner like jamie um that's one of the things for sure in my business career that i feel so fortunate for the opportunity to just connect with that guy and learn from him yeah and then for some strange reason we just like worked really well together because we are very different yeah (laughs) and we just like are kind of opposites in so many different ways and it's just like, it's obviously worked out super well and so fortunate to have yeah. had that interaction from a Facebook message. Oh, really? I, when I was 21, I put a comment on my Facebook wall or something just saying like, hey, I'm thinking about buying a condo in the next year or whatever. Does anyone know a good realtor? And uh, one of my friends from STM said, called Jamie. So literally the next day I called them. I remember I remember literally where I was driving in my car. It's so stupid how the brain works, eh? You remember these dumb things from the past that have no real rel- relevance. But I remember where I was driving in my car talking to Jamie on the phone for the first time. Isn't that so strange? I, that I was have... Uh, 10, year, 10 or 11 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I've known Jamie before. Yeah. But... Uh, I kind of knew of him and, you know, we wouldn't hang out like just me and him, but through the STM uh, crew, yeah. I, I knew him and, you know, we chatted. And so uh, it popped in my head that I was like, oh, I think he like, he's a realtor and I was looking to buy a house and I didn't know anyone. So I, I think I showed him a text and I remember that when he called and I remember that conversation that we had, Yeah, I was in my parents' basement, um, you know, hanging out. I had a room there and I just remember talking to him and, and I got a pretty good vibe. Like he just like... Uh, I'm always, in, uh, I'm a curious person. And so I always like to ask questions and he was firing off all these questions to me. And I was like, I like that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's funny how you were saying about the same thing. I remember that first conversation that I had about, well, about real estate with him. And uh, actually, he's actually uh, one of my mentors in a way. I, I, I use him as a role model. I've got like quite a few different people as a role model, but he's like one of the people that I just strive to be more towards. I, I remember like waking up and this is still happening. I wake up and I go uh, kind of in bed still, look at Instagram and there he is on top of the freaking mountain, right? <laughs> like it's like 6 a.m. And I'm like, how is he already at the top of the mountain with his freaking dogs like posing with his beer? And I'm like, oh my God, right? Like I should have been up an hour ago. Like, and uh, so, you know, um, I, uh, it's, I, it's difficult to do all uh, what he does, but uh, I'm trying to like take steps. He's, he's helped me out here and there. And uh um, I saw him. Uh, I'm sure you've seen him go for uh, the 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 pool. Uh, I've never been. The, I've never done the polar bear swim. And so I messaged him. I said, "Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this because I've never done the polar bear swim. But uh, I I don't like cold water. Like I just not even like polar bear swim. I just don't like. I don't like going to people's pools unless it's like heated, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like so scared. So he invited a couple of friends over, and we were all talking about it before waiting for the last guy that can't come. And I was like, oh man, like, I'm just going to go in and go get, get out right out. And Jamie's like, well, you know, see what you can do. Like, if you need to get out, get out. But I, I, try, I try to stay for five minutes. 
And I was like, oh man. And so everyone kind of went in just through the stairs and I was like, I can't go in through the stairs, it's too slow. So Jamie jumped in and I was like, I'm gonna do that. So I went to the deep end, dived in. And uh, I remember like, I didn't even remember, but I apparently when I came out of the water, I screamed. Like a girl. I think he told me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I just swam to him and we just like, he just said like, yeah, like just stay still and like focus, I guess, or close your eyes. And I was just there and I just closed my eyes, was kind of looking at him. Like he had a timer going and like, I think a minute went by and I was like, I just was in the zone. And then eventually all, all his friends started going out into the hot tub and I was just like, no, like I'm going to stay. And I did the five minutes and I was like, it blew my mind. And this is in January. To this day now, uh, I've got eczema, and uh, so it's not good to have hot showers, but I like hot showers. So to this day, I can handle cold water much easier. Mm. And so when I'm done my shower, I shut off the hot, and I just have like three-second blasts of cold, and I can handle it now. It's like, it's, it's a little shocking, but like, you, it's just like a mental barrier. And in, it's just, uh, I, guess, I guess it just gives me a little bit of of like, control over, over my mind over matter. That's yeah, what it is, right? Totally. Well, that's what everyone thing is. It's just really difficult, right? So I'm currently, I don't read books because I'm a slow reader. I'm a little dyslexic, but I listen to audiobooks. Yeah. And I always try to like do self-help stuff because I find it helps. And right now, uh, here, let me check. What is it called? Uh, I'm listening to, it's uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And uh, it's really great. It basically, I guess he's a very successful businessman. and Essentially, he just talks about, he talks about like, you know, he starts off with, he's like, there's three people and three average people that have average jobs. But then one guy decides to like save $30 a month. One guy stays the same. One guy spends $30 and then, you know, whatever, enjoys uh, something. And then one guy just has like a little, like one less thing to eat. And uh, the other guy eats the same and that guy eats a little more. And essentially he's like, after six months, nothing happens. After a year, nothing happens. And it's like, after a year and a half, like still not. And then it's like two years, you look like one guy's, like, you know, 30 pounds heavier. One guy's the weight the same and one guy's 30 pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just like this ricochet effect. And then he also talked about like each guy was like, one guy like did self-help for 10 minutes a day. The other guy didn't. And then the other guy like decided to watch more Netflix or whatever. And and so it's like, you know, um, it's funny because YouTube has these kind of good but shitty algorithms of like, they, they, you, YouTube, it never shows you, you'll never get creative with YouTube as far as like what you watch because it always, uh, it says, oh, you like this kind of video? Let me get the same (laughs) kind, right? But uh, I just recently started doing sell, I do, so I lose a lot of incognito. So, so then I don't, because I don't want them to track like that, but uh, it's found me for self-help and it's really good. And every morning I watch like a little one and uh, I forgot the one that I was going to say about, but, oh, uh, it's just about, um, changing your habits like one step at a time and it's just you know uh oh uh, no it was uh, sorry i'm all over the place uh about wasting time and there's four things uh that 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 if you can eliminate or cut down a lot right one was video games and uh, generally I don't play them but i've just like i logged into steam first time since 2011 and uh i because i, I have time now <laughs> but um i think video game consumption has gone up a lot oh yeah oh yeah two months yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's that like try to cut down on that so in a regular like non-covid uh you know do that then they talk about just surfing the net in general yeah uh netflix and uh like cable tv right because they say like you know if you watch this episode of whatever mm. like you enjoyed it but it, you don't benefit from it you don't yeah. you haven't learned anything you just passed your time and so it's like, uh, I think about it in the extreme. It's like, well, like, why are you living? Are you living just to like pass your time? Or are you trying to like 
So the idea in a lot of entrepreneurs, or not entrepreneurs, but a lot of people that try to self-improve are, are you better than yesterday? So it's like, just, you don't have to be a lot better, but just a little better. Yeah. If you're a little better than yesterday, then you'll, you'll, you'll have success in life. Like whichever way you want to have a success financially, with family, friends, right? With fitness and health, like mm-hmm. whatever it is. And so that's helped me a bit. Like, you know, I'm <laughs> Do you goal set? Um, I, I, uh, I suppose I do a little bit, but not as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I've been reading about uh, is it's really good not to set goals, but to write them down, yeah. like physically write them down. Don't type them up, write them down. And uh, yeah, so uh, I should probably, uh, that's actually on my to-do list is like figure out certain things. Um, uh, I have certain goals that I'm aware of, but there's other like things like, okay, write down for me, I'll tell you, it's like write down what I'm looking for in a girl right now. I have to like write that down. So it's like, I, I have to spend some time and figure that out. But uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, I, I do agree. I, do, do, do you do that? I'm not great at it. No. I've always been that guy that didn't really believe in writing them down. Okay. I have goals in my head. Yeah. Um, pre, let's say 2017, I would just like, it was kind of my own thing and work hard in my internally to achieve goals. Now I find actually a lot of value in like sharing them on social media just because it holds you to some level of accountability. Yeah. Which. Like I guess way. writing them down would do the same thing. Yeah. So now I've started to write them down. 2020 was the first real year that I've ever spent any time whatsoever, like at the fir- beginning of the year, writing them down. Yeah. And I've talked to a bunch of people about this and they, they, I guess Jamie being one of them, mm. they find a lot more value in like setting aside short-term, long-term and like yearly goals versus like daily goals. And a couple of people I've talked to on the podcast say the first thing they do and the, then they wake up in the morning is like spend 15 minutes just writing down like three things they want to achieve that day. Right. And then they go from hardest to easiest. Yep. And then once those three things are done, then they like tackle all the other mm-hmm. part of their to-do I do list. write a list of to-do things the day of, like yeah. to-do today. Uh, I Because I have a, a list in my phone, but, and I use it like religiously uh, in my notes, but it's not the same as writing it down for me because mm-hmm. then I can keep that little piece of paper on me. And like I, I cross them off and it feels good to cross them off. And, you know, uh, they can be little things, but, you know, let's say an average of eight things to do. And it's like, you know, grab this, do this, mm-hmm. send that email. And I'll just write everything like phone, mm-hmm. phone this person and this person. Um, I'm, a big, I'm a big phone person, like rather than an email, like I prefer to talk to someone. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, yeah, that's, that, that's how, and I've always done that. And that it, it feels good to cross things off for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as, uh, for you and you said like 2020, I am not one to, and I don't like it. I respect the other people that, that they want to do it, but I do not like to make goals at the beginning of the year because that's, uh, uh, for me, it's a poor excuse. Like uh, if you, if you're waiting until like, you should just set them like the day that you should do set your goals is now like today, write them now, right? If you're listening to this and you're thinking about it, like, <laughs> like do it now, yeah. like pause the podcast. And write some goals down. And because like, if you're waiting for something, it's just, it, it, now's the right time to start that. And uh, I, you know, I like you hear, like if you t- want something done, you ask a busy person because like they get it done. Right. And so like when I have like a lot of to do, like, sometimes it gets overwhelming, 
but I just start at one thing. And then like, it's kind of weird because like, if I have one thing on my mind, I need to do it. And so like, I'll need to like drop these items off at someone's house or whatever it is. And I'm just like, like I'm coming over they're like, well, I'm not home. I'm like, okay, well I'll leave it in your garage or leave it in the backyard. Like I just, I just got to do it. Yeah. And it feels good to do it. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I just, I'm not big on like new year's resolution type things. Mm-hmm. I just say like, do it now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's a coincidence and it happens to be years, New Year's, then fine. But like, just, uh, yeah. It's I, funny how much more efficient I've found myself in just that way. So in the last maybe a couple of years, I've used just like a notebook that anytime I think of something that I need to do that day, it's like, oh, I need to follow up with Bob. Just write it in my notebook. And then like at the end of the day, I'm trying to get through that entire list or whatever it is, or next time I get in front of a computer. And I'm so much more efficient than like, Understanding that there's 14 things I need to do, not having them written down yeah, and just trying to do it all at one time right? versus writing everything down and just being like, okay, next thing, follow up with Bob, email, sent, done, cross off, next thing. And it's something that you learn over time, I guess. But like three years ago, four years ago, when I first got into real estate, it was just like a jumble of everything trying to just figure it out, a crazy windstorm. And now it's a little bit more like systematized. Yeah. and organized and efficient and it's a lot less stressful. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um what I found that's helped me uh a lot uh is like I've I moved houses and uh I guess it's been about a year, year and a half now. And uh I've been able to keep my house clean and clear. So anyways, the the point is that if I have a clean house, like both in my office and everywhere. Everywhere's clean, my bath, everything's like neat and organized everything is where it belongs i feel better <laughs> and my brain is like less scattered and like i just i can focus better and uh, that's that's really how i mean i'm looking around here like everything's very clean and tidy here oh right? i don't know about that well it's it's pretty spare here so that's good i'm yeah. just very minimalistic i think that's good though i, I got my two part of being tidy. carl did you see those jugs uh <laughs> those laundry <laughs> jugs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, all the gyms are closed so i have no weight so i just oh, filled those things oh, with water smart. Right, brilliant right. and now i'm just doing like shoulders and uh, arms and stuff with those weights yeah what's worth uh, it's weighting gold is weights right now right um, I, I i was like you know i was thinking about doing it but i just waited too long and uh now those stupid weights, you know, those like multi ones, yeah. they're going for retail or higher than retail right now. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not paying $900 for a pair when yeah. they were like 800 like brand new. That's the so, same, man. Yeah. I, first of all, I don't have the space to like house a full dumbbell set, no. but yeah. like, I don't want to spend, they're like four or $500 for like these yeah. things, right? Yeah. So I just filled a couple old laundry detergent jugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're not that heavy. They're like, I don't know, 15 or 18 pounds mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. But whatever, you can just do a lot more reps. Do a lot of reps, work. yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been doing for the last two months. Yeah. I was wondering what those are there for. <laughs> laundry fetish or something. Those are my weights. That's oh, smart. What, obviously your business has been affected in the last couple of months, but how is, uh, how's the routine changed and that kind of thing? So, yeah, um, basically, uh, well, should I explain what I do? Yeah, or? for sure. So my business is basically, I operate arcade equipment, primarily pinball machines, but other equipment too, in uh, bars and pubs primarily, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some coffee shops and whatnot as well. But, um, and so, yeah, if you've, if you've seen an arcade machine, it's most likely mine. Um, and uh, so, yeah, because the bars all got shut down, basically... My revenue within a week went from 100% to zero. 
And uh, it was like before I even knew it, right? It's just like, oh, that's it. Like gone, nothing. So um, it, it was pretty shitty. But, uh, you know, I thought about like, well, what do I do? Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that used to play pinball both casually and more kind of serious or like, you know, on a, in a league. They enjoyed that on a Wednesday night at a Lamplighter. Yeah. There was a league. And, and so uh, people that don't have a pinball machine at home now have nothing, no pinball to play. And so not only do they lose their entertainment, they're socializing, but they also like lose their, uh, you know, when you don't play a sport for a bit, you kind of get rusty. Totally. And so these guys, a lot of them are competitive as well. And they're going for uh, like world ranking points. And there's like a whole world ranking system, right? So I was like, well, hey, I've got all of these machines, like let's rent them out. So I decided to do a little bit of uh, just advertise um, for home rentals. So uh, I, I did that, pivoted a bit there and, you know, I was able to, to rent out, let's say, I don't know, 10 machines or so to like friends and friends of friends. Uh, I only like to rent to like people I know because pinball machines, like I generally prefer to rent the newer ones because they're more reliable, yeah. but they're also very expensive. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't really want to rent like a, uh, or give a machine to a stranger kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so otherwise it's, it's been it's been all right. Like it's, it's helping pay the bills. I've got some hefty bills and mortgages and like, you know, I was, um, I, I make a, a good wage, but I, I just reinvested into my company. So I'm always just all that chunks of money that I make, I'm just buying more equipment. And so it's like, I, I do, didn't have a chance to like have a massive amount of savings. So, you know, it's tricky, but, uh, you know, getting by. So how did you get into this business? Um, how I got into pinball, uh, arcade and is uh, I got into pinball and I never played as a kid. My, my, uh, my dad or my parents never really gave me money for the arcade. You know, you always ask, Oh, can I get some money? Loonies and quarters? Uh, they wouldn't do that. And so I never played as a kid, but, um, my friend's mother, my best friend's mother, uh, had a, she had, I guess someone that was moving and she's like, Oh, like, would you guys like a pinball? Would you buy, if I buy a pinball, would you play it? We're like, Heck yes, like that'd be awesome. So, you know, uh, probably like we're like 20 years old and all of a sudden this machine gets placed in my friend's basement and we start playing pinball and it's, it's fun, it's good. And so we're just like slapping it around as if like an amateur would. And uh, I remember actually we would hold the ball and well, my friend would hold it and I said, that's cheating. But now it's, it's a thing that you're actually you're supposed to do because you want to control the ball. But anyway, <laughs> uh, something broke on it and we had to fix it. We couldn't figure out really how. So we phoned this card. It said the pinball doctor. I phoned him and, and he's like, oh, well, did you check the back box? Like, what? The what? The back? What? And he's like, well, there's a key on the coin door and you use that key and it opens up the back. There's a back panel for the pinball and that there's a key that opens up that glass and we didn't know, but there's a whole, like, that's full of electronics. There's over a mile worth of wiring <laughs> on this pinball machine. And it was just like, so like we were already kind of looking underneath the pinball and we knew that it was already complicated, but then we saw all this other stuff. Like, Holy shit. And, um, so we ended up fixing the problem, but in the process of doing that, we found a couple of fuses that were blown uh, and basically some features of the game were not working, but we didn't know. And they were mm. flashers. So there's like this regular lamps and there's like enhancing flashers. So, and they just like, they, so all of a sudden we're playing in the dark and we're doing these shots and it's just like, as a reward, when you make a shot, you get points, but it also gives you audio feedback and I, we didn't know, but visually it flashes. 
And so it just added this other like dynamic that you would never like, it's like intrusive flashes, right? So it's like the whole room lights up and it's just like, and with the sound, it's just like, it's amazing. And so like this game was like good and then it became great. And I'm like, wow, like what other things are people missing in pinball when they play because it's not fully working. So I went on a hunt to try to find like broken machines and started like basically finding broken machines, buying them for cheap, fixing them up. And at the time I was kind of phasing out of into cars. I used to do like um, sound competitions and like just extreme, extreme like sound, extreme car stuff. And uh, so because I was in the automotive world a bit, uh, they had an overlap or at least I found an overlap of restoration. So a lot of old machines, uh, they're old and worn out. And so like the playing field, it's called, it's called a play field. It's made out of wood and it's like, there's artwork on it. And where the ball moves around a lot, it can wear out the artwork to like wood. Right. So I would get this guy that was really good at airbrushing to put the artwork back on, but you got to protect it. And back then they didn't have, like in the eighties, there wasn't a really good, uh, like clear coat on it. Cause mm-hmm. it was the eighties. Yeah. And, uh, so I would bring it to, uh, this guy in Metrotown, he was a uh, automotive. And I said, like, next time you get a nice high end Mercedes, when you put like a, you know, the nice DuPont clear coat, cl- please clear coat this. Right. And when you clear coat, like, I don't know if you ever, like, if you get something wet, it, like, it brings out all the color in it and it makes it pop and it makes it, like, so anyways, I took these old machines and I would clear coat them. I mean, it takes a lot of work because you have to strip the, the machine down. It takes, like, maybe 40, 40 to 80 hours, depending on how, what you're doing. Um, 80 it, hours. Yeah, wow. that's re and re, yeah. So it's a strip down. And, and then, like, also, I'm not taking it apart and putting it back together. I'm taking it apart and I'm then polishing all everything. So, I'm, yeah. so the bigger part's hand polishing. Uh, you figure out different ways. So, uh all these nuts and bolts, I wanted them to look like new or better than new. And a lot of them were zinc plated or chrome, and, uh, but they would be tarnished. So uh, you get, uh, I found a, a, there's these enthusiasts in the States that are like have guns and they polish their bullets. It's a thing. <laughs> and so they, it's nice to have like super shiny bullets. And what they did is they have these tumblers or what they're called as vibrators. Mm-hmm. There's these big bowls and they shake and they have either corn cob or crust walnut shells. And you put like a, a Flitz, like Flitz is a, it's a brand, but it's basically like a polishing compound. You put it in and you leave it for like a day or two days, like 48 hours. And it just vibrates. And basically it's, it's doing all these little hand polishes for you. Mm-hmm. And so after two days, you get all this like this beautiful, like even tossing your keys and they look like Chrome after, like it's, it's, it's fantastic. So I started doing all that and buying all these like, you know, gun restore restoration type pieces. And, um, uh, I just got really into that. And, uh, so I ended up uh, taking over my parents' basement and it just had like machine after machine. And I, I thought it was funny that there was a pinball club, but I ended up joining it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then like these people came over and they're like, wow, like, this is a really nice machine. Like, is it for sale? I'm like, well, not really. And they would offer me like a, like a money that I, cause like, remember I, this is what I would do for fun on a Friday and Saturday night. And so, uh, they would offer me a pretty high price and I, I was, I only had like maybe a quarter or half into it. So I was like, yeah, I'll take it, go ahead. And I would just use that money to buy more. So I basically built up this really big collection of machines and there's a point where I just had more and more room and I sold one to a guy and I was fixing up actually a machine for this guy and he puts it in the bar and, and he's like, dude, like you're kind of expensive to buy machines off. I'm like, yeah, well, like you're getting good shit. And he's like, well, do you want to just put them in yourself? I'm like, oh, sure, I'll try. So that's what happened. And, you know, uh, I just kept on building it up and up. And there was a point uh, in my career where basically uh, I was, so by trade, I'm an electrical engineer. 
and I used to work for BC Hydro. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a point where I was doing both, mm-hmm. and like, well, Hydro's standard, you know, 40 hours a week. And uh, the pinball was starting to like grow and grow. And I was working like 40 hours a week there. And so it was like, <laughs> to do 80 hours a week, it's t- totally possible, but it's just like, it's, it's kind of, after a while, it gets like, your life just becomes shitty. And uh, I really had to choose one or the other. And uh, that was when I started going into the self-help books a bit. Because mm-hmm. I was like, what do I do? Because my dad is old school and he's like, you know, go to school, like work hard, get a good education, get a job that's like, like um, really like stable and like safe. Right. Cause hydro was the dream job for, for my dad. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, pension. Oh, you know, right. You, <laughs> honestly, you don't even need to work that hard. Right. <laughs> it's just, let's be honest. Right. But, uh, and so I don't know. Um, I, I do like working hard, so it wasn't a great fit for me. And so what I realized is also, um, my, my dad grew up poor and he provided gr- really good for me, but he taught me like the value of money. And so like in my head, uh, I, 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 I've always wanted to kind of accumulate wealth of so, or so, some sort, right? Just, uh, you know, uh, wealth, uh, will create more investments and, and, uh, you know, uh, cause my dad's always worried about money, even though he doesn't need to be, but he's w- always worried about it. Yeah. And he, like, he just retired now and he's 72, he's 47 years of teaching. Right. Okay. So, um, uh, back to that is, uh, uh, I enjoyed working overtime at BC Hydro because right away, uh, in that it, it's utility, uh, or power utility, you get double time right away. But, uh, you were limited to how much you could work because there's only X amount of hours in a day. Yeah. And well, so yeah. the max we could do is 16 hours. But anyways, like, it's like, whereas when I was doing my pinballs, no one was telling me how many machines I could have out there. So I would just any money I would make, I would just buy another one. And so like, there was no profit in it for me because I was just buying more. I guess that's kind of like profit. But so I was just like, well, there's a limit here on BC Hydro. And then there's no limit at, at you know, telling me what to do with pinball. Um, it's a bigger risk uh, because I, you know, here we, we need electricity. Like there's no, like my job is secure, like for life, for sure. hundred percent. I was, I was doing like a lot of like uh, distribution and, and, and power control management. Uh, whereas pinball is like something that we don't need, like at all, right? Like the world, if the world loses <laughs> pinball, people will be sad, but like we'll move on. And so it was like, oh man, you know, like if there's any kind of like a downturn, well, eh, right, right now, um, you know, but uh, I just, uh, what I, I think it was a quote from Jim Carrey actually. And he said like, well, I guess it was his dad because his dad didn't want, didn't quit his job because he wanted to be, do something and his dad didn't quit. And he says like, uh, basically, uh, you regret the things you didn't do, not the things you did. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I can find another job, maybe at Hydro, maybe somewhere else again. But uh, to build up like a business like this is like I've already had a really good opportunity where it's all the the seeds already there. And uh, I I kind of just decided, yeah, I'm gonna go for it. And if it fails, like that's okay, right? Um, but uh, so against my parents' wishes, I. I, uh, I left hydro and, um, but, uh, it, it, it worked out. So I'm doing all right. How old were you when you went over to your friend's house for the first time with that first pinball machine? I'd say probably 20, 20 years old. Okay, it was pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I, I remember, I, I don't know, I don't know all the, I think I was in 2000, it took a couple of years for me to kind of gain momentum by me, but my first machine was in 2004. That you bought. I bought my, yeah. and I, um, 
I bought this, it was a restored machine because I was just nervous for the first time. And uh, it was through the uh, member of the club and uh, it was uh, called Roadshow. It was like a construction theme and it was like, there was two talking heads on it, it was really cool. And uh, I, I bought it for $3,400. And uh, my parents, uh, like they did not like me into pinball and they didn't want me to buy a machine. So <laughs> I, like, I can't lie and say I'm borrowing it from a friend. So they would be like devastated if I told them how much it was. So I lied to them and told them it was $300. <laughs> and, and so I told them that, like not thinking anything. And they're like, you spent $300 on this pinball machine? And I was like, in my head, like, oh my God, what if, if I told the truth, like, I think I'd be kicked out of the house. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then like, I, I bought another machine. I'm like, oh, don't worry. This one was only 200. And they're like, Rrr. <laughs> and so I was like, oh man, how long is this going to go on for? Right. So I think it was like five or six years. Like eventually like I told them and, uh, I don't know, they're okay with it then. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. And then, so when it goes from like restoring to actually keeping machines and buying more and mm -hmm. putting them into bars and stuff like that, it was a bar owner that told you you should do this? It was or actually an operator. Like what I do now, there was a guy that bought some other guy out and was doing it and he had no idea what he was doing. So he was like paying me to fix his machine, but like it's, it's impossible like mm -hmm. to pay uh, uh, you know, it's like paying a plumber full time to fix everything. All like pinball machines break down all the time, right? So it's just like it's, it's it wasn't like pinball machines don't make a lot of money, really. To be honest, they don't. Uh, why it works for me is because I I have a large quantity of them, yeah. right? And um, so he was losing money in this machine, and so he's like like he's kind of getting tired. And people were always asking for them because the bars they're, they're cool, right? They're retro, they're neat, they're mechanical, they're a little piece of Americana. Um, and, uh, so he's like, yeah, do you, do you want to put, put a machine in? I said, sure. So, you know, I started putting machines in and then I kind of realized, I'm like, oh, like, is this a, like, I wouldn't, originally I was like, I, it's not really a business, but then I was like, oh, it's just kind of a business. So and then someone's like, well, you like, what happens if it like something, someone gets hurt on it? I'm like, I don't know. And like, well, they can sue you. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. So then I was like, oh. Better, you know, get a license for insurance and then get liability insurance. And I'm like, oh, this is me becoming a real business. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, where we're at. How could anyone get hurt on a pinball machine? Well, so actually, uh, it was, uh, I have a pinball, uh, pinball's provided me with a lot of different unique friends. Like, I know so many different people through <laughs> pinball. It's, I'm very, like, I'm so lucky. And uh, so there was a, a lawyer that was a pinball collector. And he told me, he's like, Angela, you got to get this insurance. He was the one that told me that about that. And he's like, Angela, it's not that your machines are going to burn down. It's not that your machines are really going to injure someone. But if there's a fire <laughs> in the pub and it burns down, the insurance company will look for someone to sue and they're going to try to sue you. And so you need insurance to counter sue or to block those guys from suing you. And he's like, legal fees could be $50,000. Yeah. Just just to prove that you didn't have anything to do with it. And so that's why you need insurance. I was like, oh, I need insurance to protect me from other insurance companies, really, right? So um, that was kind of uh, my aha moment where I was like, okay, I better do that because I, I don't want to lose like any savings that I have, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Do you know how many machines you have? Uh, <clears throat> yes, 148. In how many different locations? Uh, 43 accounts. Well, actually, 
three shutdowns. We'll call it forty now <laughs> from COVID. But yeah. Do you have a Do you have a favorite machine? I do. Uh, my favorite machine is uh, Whitewater. Yeah. It's 1993. It's by, designed by Dennis Dortman. It's got seven ramps in it. And the reason why I like it is just because it's fun and lighthearted. It's it's a river rafting type theme. And uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of simple to play. But if you know what's your goal, if, if you're kind of like a good player, it's still kind of hard to master. So I can, you know, well, I, I can get a casual friend to come and play and explain the basic rules. But then I can say, hey, now that you know the basic rules... <laughs> If you uh, shoot that award there, that'll uh, l- l- allow for 5x scoring only for f- 20 seconds. And so the pro players want to start that 5x scoring just before you get multiball. Because when you're in your multiball, you get these jackpots. And the jackpots are a lot of points. If you can 5x that, that's like huge, right? <laughs> and actually, there's a little Easter egg where if you 5x the jackpots, instead of calling out jackpots, uh, there's a Bigfoot in the game. And he just like screams. He goes, <laughs> Right, and it's just it's really cool. It's like a cool reward. Isn't so, that one in Nick's basement? Yes, it is. <laughs> that's my personal I was machine. Like, this sounds so familiar. Yeah. I played this before. <laughs> yeah, that's the one in Nick's basement. Uh, Nick did um, uh, my first house that I bought. He uh, he did all the electrical for basically free, and he like worked like a shit ton. And he's like, "Don't worry about it. Like that's what families are for." I'm like, "Dude, like wow." I'm like, "Well, here I'll give you a lifetime rental of like whatever game you want." Right, so. He's got the white water there right now, and uh, yeah. So if whatever game he wants, like you know, I'd I'd make it up to him and get him get him that game because I I own big, yeah. He's a good dude. I really like Nick. He's great. Yeah. You're in forty, let's say forty accounts yep. right now. Mm-hmm. How did that start? How did that grow? From that first one that you went into. Well, it's funny because there wasn't actually uh, much pinball. This was like maybe 2008. There wasn't much pinball in general in Vancouver because. They wouldn't make money, and so because they wouldn't make money, no one does the maintenance, and no one did the maintenance, so no one wants to play it. Yeah. So there was just none around. And so uh, basically, when I started putting them out, it was actually my first account was Lamplighter, actually, the Donnelly Group. Mm. And um, I put a couple there, and I put some good machines, and uh, they, they didn't get played like much at all. But uh, I, was, I was a member of the pinball club then, and most, a lot of the guys are like older than me, because I remember, I'm in my like mid-20s then. And so, like, someone that's 35 doesn't seem old, but to a 25-year-old, that's, like, old. And, like, <laughs> even some of the guys are, like, 40 and 50, right? And so, like, I would have amazing conversations about pinball with these guys. But when it came to, like, life and, like, whatever, it was, like, you know, you, you just don't have the same kind of common interests. So, I, I, in a way, I was hoping to find people my age that like pinball, but it was non-existence because no one has the money to buy a machine mm. when you're in your mid-20s. So, I put them out. And I'd say it took about two to two and a half years where like, as I, w- I was just adding them, I was just like, they weren't, even though they weren't making money, I figured like if I could put enough out, th- it could be a thing. I mean, I'm not saying I, I created this thing, but in Vancouver, I kind of did. <laughs> um, it was actually like in, 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 in North America, it started to boom at the same time. So I guess there was people like me that were just starting to put them out everywhere and it, pinball just exploded. And I think because people think retro, retro was in. Right. Mm-hmm. If you see like the old lights, the incandescent lights, those are in. The old like pipes, those are in. Record players like Steel and Oak, whatever. Like yeah. if everyone's got like that kind of old mechanical type of thing. And uh, so I kind of I was lucky to ride that wave. And uh, so after about two and a half years, I said like the kind of like hipsters kind of totally. started to play that, and mm-hmm. they were like my age. So it was like 
I could talk pinball to these people that were my age. And then they're like, oh, like, you know, you want to hang out after? Like, yeah, that'd be great. And so, like, I started to do lawn bowling with these guys. Uh, no, sorry, take that back. Croquet. Oh, croquet is so fun. So, like, these guys were really into croquet, and they bought uh, this like professional. It's a proper professional like set. And you, if you get two sets, you can have up to eight people playing. Right? You just color the balls differently, and you're good to go. And uh, it was it's so much fun. Like, we go to a park, but and you know, set them up on hills through logs, like kind of extreme croquet. And uh, yeah, it's so much fun. Just have a couple beers and crack some balls around. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> you obviously are like a very charismatic, pretty outgoing dude. Right. But like, did you have any problems getting into bars just in terms of like the old school prospecting type things? Or were you just knocking on bars doors and being like, hey, where's the owner? I want to talk to him about putting my, my machines in here. So I kind of got lucky in the fact that I didn't really need to knock on people's doors. People were knocking on my door. Mm. I was putting them out. Um, Donnelly kind of liked me and my machines. So they're like, yeah, can you put them in other? And so once Donnelly is kind of like, you know, they're the, they're the big guys in, in the bar scene. And so once they had it, they're kind of like the new Norman cool. So other people wanted to get it too. And there wasn't a lot of, well, there wasn't really anyone at the time that had pinball. So like they would have to go through me and, and get it. So that's the way I got a lot of my accounts or people like were asking like, oh, like, can we get a machine in here? Like, we, we, you know, we like the people that it brings in. We like the look that it gives. And we like your condition of, excuse me, you really like the condition of your machines. Um, because, like, I'm a decent player. And restoring the machines is one thing, but making them play right is another. And so I feel like I was quite good at, like, my, my favorite part of pinball in general is after a long restoration is like the first perfect game after. Meaning like when I finish a game, there's like, there's a lot of mechanical parts and like loose ends. So it's like, okay, do I put the glass on? I'm like, no, I'll play a ball and I play a ball and then I'm like, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. This needs to be tweaked. This target's not straight. Uh, the pop bumper's not sensitive or maybe too sensitive. And so I would like make these fine adjustments and I'm like, yeah, everything's right. And then like that moment where I slide on the glass and like press start and have that perfect game. Um, I'm a little OCD and shit has to be perfect, but when it's not, I suck at pinball when it's perfect. I'm generally, if I have one bad game, I might, but like, I'm really good. And I'll just have like a 20 minute long game and like blow up the game. And, uh, that's like, that's the, the, the best, like that's the perfect time for me in pinball land or in my head is like <laughs> when, when, the machine is absolutely perfectly clean. It's plain perfect. All the feeds feed to the right spot. All the shots feel really great. And, uh, you, and the game clicks with you. And, and then you just, you just, you're kind of one with the machine and you're making all these shots and it's giving you great feedback. And, and remember the setting is I'm in my uh, garage. Uh, it's at night. The lights are off. And so like everything is enhanced because of the volume's cranked and the lights are just super bright because it's, it's dark out. And, uh, I, I like to play without any ambient light. Like I just like just the machines lights. And cause then you can tell as well as like, if it's clean, it, it's brighter. Mm. I would usually, um, I guess in the last 10 years I've replaced the incandescent lights with led lights. And so that would really help. And back when I was just doing incandescent lights, I would sometimes add extra lights, some players. Cause it's like, Oh, this is too dark. And you know, and I, 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 I cause I want to play in the dark because, uh, I know the machines are going to go into a dark bar most of the time. 
and I want people to be able to see the ball all the time and be able to play that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> How'd you get in with Donnelly then? Uh, so the guy that he bought a business and the guy that got me in was already in with Donnelly. And so like, we kind of already had our shoe in. So I, I was really lucky. Um, and uh, he's, 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 he's kind of my business partner. His name's Panos. And uh, he's, he's just been, he's a hardworking guy and he's really, uh, he's really, he's great. And uh, he's, he's just, uh, whatever the Donnelly group kind of asks, he always gets. And, and uh, so we've been, we've been really loyal to the, to the Donnelly group and, and, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff Donnelly is a great guy. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's just, it's just like onward momentum. And like they have, the Donnelly group has a great, uh, great amount of people. Uh, there was a guy, um, uh, Damon, he was their marketing guy and he just fell in love with pinball. And so he like started to push with that. And then now they've got, uh, one of their head GMs, uh, Chris Babick, or maybe he's like even above a GM. I don't know what you call it, but Chris has just been he's been phenomenal. He's just been so supportive. And he's like, yeah, let, let's do like, you know, Wednesday nights, let's do, uh, Tuesday nights at, at a different place. And it was just like, um, they just, he takes it and run. And it's just like, great. Like we've, we, we've had one of the longest running pinball, but at lamp, uh, no, it started at library square and we were doing a, it was called, I think it was, yeah, it was Wednesday nights. And, uh, they would, we did a, a special where it was free play. So free pinball, no, no cover charge, no nothing. You just show up and free. And then there, at the time, this is like probably five, six years ago. It was, uh, you get a pound of wings and a beer for five bucks. And so it's like, well, okay, that's a good deal. And free pinball. Like at right? library square. Yeah. Library wow. square. That, nice. that it's, it's ended now, but I had at the peak, I had 13 machines there. And, wow. and this was actually every, every Wednesday. And we actually had the record for the longest running, biggest weekly pinball tournament in the world. Really? And yeah. There was Whoa. like uh, an average of like 45 people showing up. Sometimes we had like even 50, 53 people, I think was like Jeez. one of the higher numbers. And it was at a point where it's like, this is great, but we can't even have more people because everyone kind of has to play each other in some sort of way. And it's just, uh, it's, it takes a long time. So, you know. Uh, and I, you know, they, they did a lot of cool things. Like, like, um, a lot of the time we did like a double elimination knockout, right? So you play head to head. If you lose, then you can, you, that's one X. And then if you get a second X you're out. if you get two X's in a row, so I mean like you just lost twice in a row, they, they buy you a beer, right? <laughs> so it's like, well, there's no, like, it's a win-win. You can, you know, even if you lose, you win a beer. So, you know, uh, they, they've, they've been really good and, uh, really supportive and, uh, I try to support them any way I can, you know, um, I'm happy to do free pinball for them and, uh, grow, grow the community. So, um, yeah, they have a really good, good team. Actually, I must say the free pinball actually started not from the Donnelly group. It actually started at the Cobalt, um, from the guys at the Cobalt. It was their idea. It was on a Tuesday night. on Main Street? Yeah. 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 It was on Main Street. It's currently closed because of uh, the buildings condemned. But uh, the same owners now run the American, which is like an amazing bar. It's probably yeah. one of the best run bars in, in Vancouver. And it's actually, they've, I've had a lot of equipment there. It's a lot of fun to, uh, it's a good place to, to hang out. And, well, when it's open, it's a good place to hang out and have fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to give them some credit uh, to Patrick and Ezra. And uh, yeah. Do you have any competitors? I do. Um, in, in Greater Vancouver? Yeah, I've. It's funny. Uh, he's, uh, he's in the, um, well, he, I guess he, I don't know if he still is in the pinball club, but he was in the pinball club. Uh, he's one of the founders. Yeah, maybe. 
And uh, um, yeah, so I, I guess uh, he's about, I, I'd call him 20% and I'd call myself like 80%. Is it just the two of you? Yeah. Just surprise, Carl. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just the two of us. So, and uh, he's kind of uh, a different focus. He focuses, well, we were kind of competing uh, initially, but then I think uh, I'm happy to take on small accounts that don't make much money <laughs> just because I want to grow pinball. Totally. Where he's like, I need, I need like a good account or nothing. So, thanks, buddy. Uh, which is fine. I, I totally get his point of view because, uh, you know, I, he wants to make money. Um, where my goals, does he refer you small accounts in? Like if a small account calls him, uh, or how does that work? Not really. We're 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 kind of competitive. So okay. I, I someone asked like I was like oh like like a guy's friends I'm like well we used to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that that that's where we're at. But uh, uh, I think I've met him because I uh, one guy came through an open house one time and we were whatever we were just chatting. And uh, he said, oh, I work in the hospitality, whatever industry. And I was like, oh, what do you do? He's like, well, I actually like provide services. I'm like, oh, what kind of services? I used to be in that industry. He's like, oh, pinballs. I'm like, do you work with Angelo? <laughs> He's like, no, no, but we are like our competitors. So I think yeah. that was probably him. Yeah, that was, that was probably him. He's, uh, he lives in the U.S., so it's probably, there you it's go. Not, sounds right. That's right. your, it's your, it's your turf there. So, yeah. So, uh, what so, is, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, like, he focuses more on, like, rentals, right? Okay. So, uh, and I focus more on, like, putting my stuff, equipment in bars for, like, long-term stuff. Yeah. How do you, is there any focus on, like, building awareness for your specific company? Or is it more just, like, building the community of pinball that will help grow your business? Uh because so the, there's no like stickers on the machine saying like this is Angelo's brand kind of thing, right? There is, yeah. Oh, is there? Uh, so like my company's Pinball Vancouver, yeah. like, like like this logo here, and uh, on the machine itself, there's an apron at the bottom, and there's two carts. The cart on the left, well, it's supposed to be the cart on the left if you know people do it properly, is instructions. So it gives you like in point form like the basic objective of the game and like how to unlock certain things and get whatever the point, right? And the right is the pricing card. And so I've got my custom logo that says Pinball Vancouver and then the price. So uh, it's tricky. So I tell people like, hey, like if you want to know if the machine's working perfectly, like look for the Pinball Vancouver logo and you should be good to go. And um, yeah, so, but I guess for people that don't know, it's, it is like a little, the awareness is, is there. But because I have such a l- large market share, um, I'm not as concerned as long as the pinball community grows, like mm-hmm. my market will grow. So I am working on uh, a couple technology things that I can't talk about yet, but that will give me specific uh, awareness and loyalty type stuff to my brand. Um, so we're working on that. There's a couple different revenues we're working on. Is it ad space and Neuralink? <laughs> Neuralink would be great. Yeah, ad space. Like you just have to like yeah. stop and play pinball. Pinball, pinball, pinball. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. That's kind of scary actually. Think about Neuralink totally, and, like, yeah. and advertisement. Totally. Like, if you can't afford it and you got like Alzheimer's or some kind of like, or you know, you've you've been paralyzed. Well, like I'll just get a sponsorship one, right? So <laughs> it's like totally. you become that company or something, right? Who knows what they can do. That's basically what Facebook has turned into, right? Yeah. So um, I don't know if they've released these ads, but I'll tell you something that's really good with like AI and, and marketing through Facebook. So you know like Facebook can target ads. 
And the, the newest with AI is what they'll do is like, let's say, okay, Denny here, they, he's got two best friends. Okay. So we just, you know, A and, we'll call them A and B just to make it simple. And so what it does is it, with its AI, it knows who your two best friends are. It, it fuses the faces together and makes a new friend that you don't know, but it looks familiar. So you trust that person. You don't know him. Subconsciously, you trust them. And so now they're in the new Pepsi ad or new Coke ad or whatever, like selling a mattress or whatever that you're into at the time that you're Googling. They're there. And you don't know them, but that face that you see, you trust. That's scary. <laughs> Is that happening now? Uh, I've heard about this like two years ago. So I don't know if, I don't know. Man, that is crazy good technology if it can be that specific to an individual. Have you seen the ad will change based on who is watching it? Yeah. Well, have you That's seen uh, deep fake stuff? No. It's getting, it's getting pretty scary good. So what deep fake is uh it's it's with AI technology. These people using supercomputers, they basically take like uh what's the most standard deep fake is they'll take uh, a scene from a movie, whatever, some famous one, like mm-hmm. uh, Back to the Future with Doc, and then they'll find like another person, like another actor or Donald Trump or someone and to put their face on it and it changes their voice and their face. So it it doesn't, it looks real and it sounds real, but it's, it's the other actor. It's like, it's mind blowing. So when we're done this interview, you're going to have to like just Google deep fake and it's going to like blow your mind on what they can do right now. (laughs) It's, it's so creepy. Yeah. Deep fake. Like unbelievable. I want to hear more about pinball. This is super intriguing to me. What's the maintenance like on machines? Like how often are you at each location servicing? <laughs> That's basically what I do full time yeah. is, is service. Um, the older machines, just like an older car, are more problematic. Uh, I've got the hardware down really good. I Over the years, I've sent the electronics out to be professional. Like I can repair the basics, but I would get them like refurbished. Mm-hmm. So I send them out somewhere in the States, this guy in Colorado, he refurbishes them all. So over the years... Those have been pretty bulletproof as far as electronics, but there's still the mechanical side of it because there is like over a mile worth of wiring. And what happens is a pinball is, is these solenoids and, and these things that are like are basically banging and clacking around. And so what that does is have mi- micro vibrations. So the most common thing in a pinball to break down is a wire that breaks off because it's mm. a wire is going and then yeah, it goes yeah. to a lead and it's soldered on. <clears throat> and that, 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 that solder point, the solder is fine, but like, where it goes from solder to like wire itself is a little flex point. And so with the millions of vibrations or even billions of vibrations, it eventually will break. And then, th- then that means that a solenoid won't work and it can't kick out the ball and the balls are stuck right. and you have a service call. So, and there's not like, you know, there's so many connections on a machine that I can't really redo them all. I do like if I'm working on something and I see, and I, I'll check them, right. There's about call it 60 points on a pinball machine. I'll check through them and, if there's anything weak, I'll redo it, but you know, it's just not, it's too time consuming to do that. So what I've been doing now is uh, buying new machines. Um, I'm slowly selling off my old collection and I'm just basically buying new ones. And so as, as the new ones come out, like I'll buy it. Brand new. Yeah. Brand new. So like I've, I'd say a, a new machine comes out every like three times, three or four times a year, four times, let's call it four times a year. A new machine will come out. I've, I will buy at least four to probably. I I'd say my average is about about seven or eight machines a year. I buy. What's the average cost of a new pinball machine? About ten thousand dollars. 
And what's the life or what's the time to recoup that investment based on? Uh, so that's the problem. Uh, it's, it's, it's around six to eight years. So you're thinking that doesn't make sense because normally you want like six months to a year, maybe two. But the tricky part or the, the trick to it is that machine, the pinball machines, because they're mechanical, they're not like a video game that gets outdated, that there's, there's still value in the machine. Yeah. So uh, some of the machines even have gone up in value. And so even the way I can afford some of these machines is that I'm replacing them with old machines. And some of the old machines are worth quite a bit. Like I would sell, I sold a Tales of Arabian Nights for $10,000. And it's a, it's a machine from 1996. And, you know, people consider it a, a really good game and maybe a better game than the modern stuff. But uh, Tales of Arabian Nights is not a licensed theme. A lot of my accounts, they prefer, or the, my, my clientele prefer to play a licensed theme like Deadpool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that type of thing. Uh, so I want more licensed games anyways. Um, so that, that's what it works out. So I've been selling the old ones for a similar price, and then I buy the new ones. And the new ones, because the ROI is really bad, but it doesn't really matter because the they might depreciate a couple thousand dollars, but they're still they worth a lot. Value pretty, yeah. and, and then I can always just resell them. So it's kind of like a capital-heavy game, and that's why there isn't a lot of competitors. Totally. Because uh, it's like it's like a business person's like, why am I going to invest like half a million dollars to make like, you know, like less, like very little money? It's not worth it. Like I can just... You know, I'll, I'll invest it in a stock market. But for me, it's like, like I would, when my first, the first 10 years of pinball, I would never consider buying something that was like, like newer than, or yeah, newer than five years. Like that was just like way too new. It's too expensive. Like wait for it to depreciate. Cause back then also the prices were a lot less, but now it's like amazing. Every single new game, just think of like every new car you get, you get to like drive and use. Cause that's the first thing. The first thing I, I do is I bring it to my shop and then I play it. Well, actually, first thing I, I, I play one ball and then I'm like, oh, this needs to be tuned this way. I've never had a perfect machine even new. I always got to really? do, yeah. You make adjustments to all of them. All, all, every single one, I've always had to do something. And I'm always waiting for that game. It's like, oh, it's good. No, always something. Why aren't you advising these companies that are building these games to make good machines? Uh, I do give them feedback, but um, for the most part, they've been pretty good. But uh, it's just like, you know, they're... Is it a preference thing? Is it like your preference is different than like the engineer that's building the machine on that It's company? just because they're so mechanical that mm. it's it's not like a digital copy of something that can be duplicated, right? And it's not like mm. a... It's it's not a precision of an iPhone because you, you do have people that are making like, not minimum wage, but like pretty low labor. And, you know, there's these people that are making them and they're assembling them together. And there's basically, it's like there's there's a team... And one person has to assemble these little parts. And this other guy takes those parts and assembles it to another one. And then like it ricochets into this like big thing that they bolt on, this big mechanical assembly goes onto this piece of wood. And the piece of woods are not all perfect, right? Because yeah. they might have a little warp in them or a little thick, different thickness. And so there's all those like slight mechanical things. And uh, so it's so they could do better, but it wouldn't be worth it because they would spend like maybe 20% more making it 2% better. And so mm. for most people, they won't even notice. Like they don't know that when the ball kicks out of this, this hole, it, it doesn't go smooth. It kind of does a weird bounce, but that weird bounce doesn't like, it doesn't feed that upper right flipper very well. So it kind of, if, for someone that's really good player, they're like, uh, it just doesn't feel right. And they might not know why, 
but it's because the ball is not going smoothly along the flipper. And if you were to adjust that, get it either balanced or the kick out right, uh, it makes a big difference and it feels better. And then you'll be able to make the shots better. And it's like, yeah. So, uh, I mean, these tweaks, I probably don't need to do because only five or 10%, well, yeah, I'd say more like five, maybe 10% of the people would notice. But uh, because I'm one of those percentage, I need to have it that way. And I feel that because I've done this, that's one of the reasons of my success because people do appreciate like stuff working well. And uh, like people that know me, I'm, they have my phone number. And what I get mad at them for is if they don't text me a problem. And I'm like, like, what the F? Like, let me know this kick out. Let me know this light isn't working. Like, like, oh, I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, that's okay. Like, that's my job. I'm happy. Like, because like my, the, what's actually worse, uh, my, my own competition is actually, uh, he's pretty good at maintaining machines too. But what's worse is like, there's some other little guys that have like maybe one or two machines or maybe a new bar or a new establishment opens up and, and they buy their own. They buy their own. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the worst for my business. Yeah. And I'll explain why is because it might work well when they first have it, but they have to clean it and maintain it and they don't clean it. So it becomes dirty and then they don't maintain it. So it stops working function or it stops functioning properly. Then let's say someone in average Joe comes up. Oh, pinball. That's cool. I like this game, you know, Iron Man. And, but they don't know pinball. So they go and play it and they're like, this kind of sucks. Like it, it's not fun, but they don't know that the machine doesn't work properly. They just know pinball sucks. Yeah. And so because of that, they don't want to play other machines because like, oh, pinball's not that fun. Totally. Right? So, you know, I, it's almost like I'd be, I'd be better off having like my competition have well-maintained machines so it always gives a good impression to people and people wanted to go and play others. Because like that, that 10% of players, or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe call it maybe even higher, maybe uh, 30 to 40% of players, they're going to the bar to play the pinball. Like, where it's funny because a lot of people like it blows their minds. Like what? Like we're going to the bar to have a drink and we see a pinball and we'll play it where these guys are going. They're like, Oh, you have this machine. Like they'll, they'll go out of their way. They'll take a bus like half an hour. They'll go down to kits or wherever just to play that machine because it's new, because it's cool, because it's the only one in town. Right. That kind of thing. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see. I guess when, you look at companies with imperfections in the different machines. Most people aren't buying four or five of the same machine, so they wouldn't even know the different variations. Yeah. Whereas you're, whatever, buying four or six of them. Yep. And you're, so you're probably playing them side by side and being like, well, this does this. Why is this one not doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and it's also because like I've, got, I've got experience. Like I've played not every single game, but like most of the games from the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and like, like thousands of different games I've played. And so I have a lot of experience on what, like what the designers were thinking and how a game should play. Yeah. And so like when something happens, I know like I'm kind of already expecting a certain reaction. And if it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, is that just new or is that maybe not right? So. Um, it's crazy how scientific it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't, obviously I am not a pinball expert. Yeah. And I've played at a handful of bars, maybe. Yeah. And I'm probably that guy that has gone up and a few of the lights don't work. And I'm like, oh, pinball's mediocre. Yeah. This is not that fun. But yeah. that's probably, that's the bar swell, obviously. Do you know the bar, The Den, downtown? Yep. Is that yours? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, that 
No, no, no. This is not a bad story. This is a great oh, story. Okay. I would say one of the funnest nights of my year every year, and this is, I think, three years running, Carl? Mm -hmm. Three years, yeah. I think three years running. Wow. We have an alumni basketball tournament at our high school every year. Yeah, STM, I know. Yeah. Every year after the alumni tournament, me and our team, so Carl's on our team, and then there's, uh, I think there's like five or six of us that go out afterwards. We go out for dinner, and then we go to the den. And the sole purpose of going to the den is play ski ball for like six hours. <laughs> <laughs> so every year we probably put 250 bucks in that thing. Yeah. Just playing. Last year, I think, Carl, we had a best of seven of seven. Wow. <laughs> so we played 49 hours, games of ski ball. So are hilarious. you, are you guys good at ski ball? I don't know Because that. They, they give out beers. Uh, oh, if, if you get tickets and stuff. So oh, okay. we we got beers. I don't think we're good at ski ball. Oh, are you winning beers? Like you're winning tickets? We figured out a way to rig the game. <laughs> oh, some guys <laughs> just alley you into each other. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I think if you get over four hundred or something. Yeah, they they change it depending on like how people are playing. But it's probably our fault. The the key. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's really high. Like, how are people winning, right? Yeah. But uh, the key to ski ball, if you want to know, mm -hmm. uh, is you got to go for the hundreds. You got to go for the hundreds. Those are the the, the corner pieces, not mm -hmm. the, down, oh, yeah, down the I middle. I know, oh, okay. dude. I know that oh, machine sorry. very, very well. So you, you do know, <laughs> yeah. You know it then. It's interesting because most people don't go for the hundreds, and when we're playing the best of seven of seven, so best of forty nine. <laughs> I don't know why we did that, but we were there for like three hours, and we're like, oh, we got to come up with some sort of game. We're gonna be here for a while. We're gonna have a bunch of beers. Let's yeah. play the best. Let's play. Let's have a series of seven. So there was four of us. It was more than that, Carl. Because there was four of us. So it was two, v two versus two. Yeah. And each game was four games. Wow. So we played 49 times four, whatever that is. Well, um, that's a lot of excuse. It sounds like you guys are waiting too much, though. You need a place that has two. Like uh, the American has two. American's so busy, though. Oh, yeah. You guys are going on a Friday or Saturday night. The tournament ends on Saturday, oh. so we go for dinner at like six, and then go. We probably got there at like eight thirty nine. So yeah, we were there for like three hours, four okay. hours. <laughs> That's fair then. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was great. Okay, uh, we liked that bar because it was had a ski ball court that wasn't busy. Yeah, and so we were there for three hours and just kept playing. Um, and it was, yeah, it wasn't that busy. So let's see if you were there recently ish, like in the last six months. They had this we really cool. There, when was it? End of February, middle of February. Oh, yeah, so pretty recently. Did, did you see that basketball machine there? Yes, so, with the pump. Yeah, the pump. Yeah. Dude, we played that. <laughs> probably, I don't know. Isn't that fun? We probably put fifty bucks in there. It's a dollar each. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, probably at least fifty bucks. Yeah. We kept having a contest: how many you can get in a row. Oh wow! Yeah. And so it's, it's tough to. Be I can't consistent. remember if I won or not. You you get good at just like the yeah. pump, right? Yeah. And. I think we got up to twelve or thirteen in a row. Was the wow, that's that's great. But again, we put six. That's bucks that's in. tricky. It wasn't like my first time. I got you got to be consistent, <laughs> so you can't go fast because usually the game is fast, and so you just got to like fast as you can. Yes. And so yeah, it's a different kind of strategy to to have like in a row. Oh my god, that's yeah. what we were doing, right? Wow. So we did a bunch of games where because it's two hoops, right? Yep. Yeah. So it was like, is it thirty seconds? A, a minute? So yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. So it was like playing against each other, and we're like. Let's play how many in a row. That'd be fun. So it was like me and Thierman. And he's competitive. I'm super competitive. Yeah. So I think the first time I got seven. And then he tried, he got six. So he was pissed. So he put another box in. It's like, go again. 
eight. Like, oh. shit, he beat me. I got to go again. <laughs> there was like me putting four or five more dollars in. I got 10. <laughs> Thierman's upset because I beat him. And it's just like back and forth. Wow. I think we ended at 13. I don't know. Yeah. It's, that game was sweet. It's a lot of I fun. Yeah. Game. I played it in Vegas, uh, maybe three, four years, like the prototype. And I uh, at, a, at a show, like yeah. at a, our convention show. And I was like, oh, this is this is a really fun game. And it's like, very fun. I don't play a lot of games anymore. And so it's like, if I'm liking it, like I think a lot of other people like it. So yeah, we ended up Because if you go, if I, if I would go to an arcade, one of, my, one of the best games for me, obviously I play basketball, yeah. is like the one you actually shoot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is just a miniature version, which I saw it and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I've, as a kid, anytime yeah. I went to an arcade, that was the one game I wanted to go play. It was the one where you actually shot the basketballs. So this is like a little mini version. Yeah. Do you fun. play the big version too? It's not there, obviously, but at the, like, uh, they, for example, they have- Is there one in American? There's one in the American. There's two of them okay. at the American. I think against Briglio. Me and Briglio oh, yeah. probably had like eight or 10 straight head-to-head matches at this yeah. thing. There's, yeah. um, there's a girl that works there. Her name's Carly. And she is like crazy good. <laughs> like- Is she we, a basketball player or no? No, not at all. It's random. But like <laughs> she, like if you want to be good at it, Besides, obviously, aim and accuracy, you need speed. And yeah, so fast. if there is a ball sitting there, you're not good enough. Yeah. Basically, totally. you're grabbing yeah. the ball as it's coming, right? There's five that you get, and you just got to keep on going, like, throw a go. Like, you just, and then she, though, like, you win, You can win a beer there, too. And we're like, fuck, like, they're like, the guys are complaining about, like, your machine's giving out too many beers. I'm like, really? Like, I, I fucking, I can't, do, I can't win one, right? Like, and then we found out it was her. And like, I think it was like, I don't know, 80, 80, if you get 80 shots or 80 points, you get a beer. Each, she, she, each shot is two points, I assume? Uh, so it starts off f- at one. starts off at one. Okay. And then uh, you get like, then two, and then uh, there's like a bonus, there, there's a, um, no, maybe it is, each shot's two, you get like X amount of seconds, and then near the end, it's three points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you go over 50, you get a bonus round of 15 seconds where every mm. shot is one point. But her average is like 140. <laughs> so it's like, like it's like I didn't, I didn't know it was her, and I didn't know she was. And then I just looked over, and I just like in the corner of my eye, you just see like whoosh, 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 just buckets and swishes. And I was like, what is going on? I look, and she's just like woof, woof. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how do you do that? And so it's like, I'm, I've never like even YouTube. Like, I need to record that and put it on YouTube. Like, I'm gonna have get, you like, seen that viral YouTube clip? It was probably like two or three years ago. Okay. Of a, it was like this Asian kid, and he was just like, oh, one hand like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my he god. He made like forty in a row because he wasn't even lifting him this way. He was just underhand. Yeah. Just wow. grabbing, just faster, grabbing the ball yeah. like this. Oh my god. It was hilarious. He must have had more balls because it was I so think fast. He must yeah, have, more than Asian, five. He must have. He must have big hands and like or smaller balls or something. Honestly, how, how do you like palm a ball? I'm sure we could find it really quickly if he. Google there, YouTube it. Yeah. Carl, YouTube it. See if we can find it. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So like the two-hand version of it is her. Like she's unbelievable. Like I, and she works. She, she just works there. That's and I guess she just practiced a lot and she got really good. <laughs> and so it was like. Every night after work, she just grabs a beer when everyone's cleaning up and she just like plays four or five games or what? Yeah. Like got really good. Probably I'd say in the high 90s, she would always, well, probably even near high 90s that she's always winning, right? Like that's always hilarious. winning a beer. That's crazy. So it's like, for her, it's like $2 for a beer. That's hilarious. So, yeah, we, yeah, we had to. Did you find it? 
a hundred basketball shots in okay. a row. I need to see a hundred in a row. Wow. Okay. I need to show this to you. It's, all, it's hilarious. Look okay. at this guy on the left. Oh, what? He's so good. Is that real? It looks pretty real. Oh my God. Oh yeah. The score is just like nuts. Wow. <laughs> right? Oh my Does God. Does he have more than five balls? Oh yeah, he's got way more. Yeah, it's a different I, I He's probably got ten balls. I don't those might be like foam balls or something, actually. <laughs> it looks like foam. It looks yeah. like foam. I think there's His foam score balls. is hilarious. He's at four oh seven right now, and the next best is at forty six. <laughs> wow. That is ridiculous. Just what he's wearing too, like tucked in khaki shorts, like perfect. Just a phenom. <laughs> Oh, man. How much time do you have? Infinite. Well, infinite minus up minus one. Until coronavirus ends. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm usually really busy, just like you. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I got, a, I got a lot of time. Can so. we talk a little bit about your experience uh, building your first home? Sure. Because yeah. Carl is a, con- like Carl and his dad do home renos for a oh, living. Okay. And obviously I'm just coming off my first big home reno with Jamie. Yeah. So I know a little bit and I learned so much and it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. But you built a new home from the ground up like two, three years ago? Uh, I finished like a year and a half yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. I just want to hear that experience, man. Like, first of all, why decide to GC it yourself? Yeah. Where are you getting this information from? Like the whole thing. Give me a quick summary and then we can like so, dive into a bunch of little um, things. I did have a little bit of background information or background experience. When I was, uh, after I graduated, I started to work as an electrician apprentice. So I have a little bit of electrical understanding. And then uh, I actually left that apprenticeship just to work for the main developer. Actually, do you know Kearney, Archbishop Kearney? Right beside there's like townhomes. Uh, There's 40 townhomes right beside that. They were built like in the early 2000s. I, I was like the bitch labor guy that like saw them. Like I was working for the developer there. And I built, I, I saw them from the ground up being built. Is that Mosaic? Who's the developer? Uh, it is, no. Um, uh, Qu- Quanta, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's not Quantum. Like, there's a big company, I think Quantum. Quantum. Yeah. They're Quanta, I think. Okay. Uh, so, like, you know, kind of a medium to small company. But, um, yeah, so I got, like, you know, I was like, oh, they made a mistake in the concrete. Like, Angelo jackhammered that out, right? <laughs> And I had this like big industrial forklift and I was like going around and, you know, getting material to the people and doing all that stuff, cleaning up garbage and, and, uh, you know, ins- like helping the insulators insulate, just doing whatever like weird, weird shit. Right. So I got to see it from the ground up and it actually was really cool because like I got to see it, like, uh, my friend's dad is who got me in there and he did the, uh, like city pipeline. So like not the little pipes, but like the big uh, yeah. four, four, four foot man drain and like Crazy. all the big sanitary lines because they were like, oh, there's going to be a street through here first. And then like, so this was like a year before that even developed. We did all that. So I got to see everything. It was really cool. And so I kind of have the basic understanding of like how a house is built. But that was like in my early 20s. And then like, you know, like I guess over over a decade later, I was like, yeah, so um I, I got uh, this property in East Van. It was uh, it's the it was the shittiest house on the block for sure. Like probably one of the probably the worst in Vancouver, like East Vancouver. 
Like it was, it was bad. I have one of those. <laughs> yeah. Pretty excited about it. So, um, <laughs> do you? Yeah. In oh. Queens Park. I think I have the worst house in Queens Park. Oh. Anyone that's... that says theirs is worse, you should come check out mine because it's worse. Wow. That's, that's exciting. <laughs> I know. I so, I mean, those are, in my opinion, the best ones to buy, um, you know, because they have the most potential. So, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it myself. Um, I thought it would be, the number one thing is I'll, it'll be a great learning experience. Totally. That was, the, that was the number one thing. Uh, the number two thing, I mean, think it's been a while now, but um, I think the number two thing was like save money, which uh, wasn't true. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to have full control over things because I'm very particular. So even if I hired someone, uh, like they're going to ask me what kind of tile I want, but they're not, I can't talk to the tile guy and say like, I want this pattern this way or start like, let's say, you know, the tiles, they got to start one, like you have to start it or you get to tell me they're like, okay, you're going to start the tile here or we're going to have it even on both sides. You're going to cut both tiles yeah. or you're going to start on that end or something. Right. And like all those little details, like I wanted control over. And I, you, you, like I would, any contractor, would, I would drive them nuts if I was like just, just there all the time anyway, right? So, um, and I had a, at the time I, I've already quit BC Hydro, so I have time to, to, to do this, um, or so I thought, but uh, <laughs> it was the hardest thing I've done in my life. And before that was like school at BCIT for like electrical engineering, that was really fucking hard. But uh, what made building the house so hard was the amount of stress. Totally. And the stress was that I wanted to do it. My goal was like, I think a year. And it took a little longer than that. But like, I had, like, I was telling everyone I'm excited. So I'm like, yeah, I'm building a house. Da, 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 right? The house is going, oh, it's coming along good. And then like, you know, you get delays, which is what I figured. But, um, and you get cost expenditures. But when you have like your friends and family and say, oh, like, how's it coming? Oh, are you done yet? I'm like, no. Like, and having to always say like, no, I'm not done yet was like getting frustrating. And then like, also it went over budget by quite a bit or what I, I did the budget myself. I didn't really look at other people's budgets. I was just like, oh, this is what it should cost. Uh, and I didn't really factor in like a lot of things that I never, cause I never built my house, but I never built the house. So sure. you don't, you don't figure all these little things. Um, especially, uh, like I didn't know demolition was going to be $20,000 because in the city of Vancouver, if your house is older than 1940, uh, you, ha- you can't demolish it. You have to recycle it. Mm. And so they take a $20,000 deposit, which is almost the cost of demolition anyways, but then there'd be fines involved. So anyway, that was a struggle. Um, and that's already after you take off all the asbestos and whatnot and, and the, ha- the hazardous material out of there. Um, and so the financial stress was really difficult because after it was lingering on, like, you know, it was just like, you know, I'm there on the Saturday, I'm there on a Sunday, uh, Sunday, we're being a little more quiet, but you know, any co- the other trades or maybe I was just there cleaning up cause I didn't have time to clean up and I also have to do my other business. Right. So it's like whatever time I have. And so <sighs> basically I was getting exhausted and I couldn't stop because there's going to be in, in, in my unit or in my Vancouver home, there's essentially like, call it three or four units. And so the way I was looking at it was, well, let's say four units, right? I don't know, like, you know, 1500 each or whatever, right? That's like, you know, <laughs> that's like six grand. 
that every month that I'm behind, I'm losing $6,000. So I was thinking about it that way. And it's just like the, the amount of stress that every like, then, okay, well, it's $6,000. And that means every like two weeks is 3000 and every, every, every week is $1,500. Right. And so every day is like $200 or whatever. So I was like, Oh my God. Right. Like I was like, like I needed to finish because I'm losing all this money and I'm, I'm building it on a line of credit, which is like now dwindling, like, and going smaller and smaller. And I was like, then I'm paying also the interest on that. And I'm just like, holy shit. Right. And the thing is, is I'm, I, I just needed a break and I need to stop, but you can't because like everyone's like waiting for you, you know, your parent, like, I, you know, I borrowed money from my parents. So I just, I can't take a vacation now. Like my thing is like, I'm a big proponent in like debt is not good. So if I have debt to someone, like I don't like to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. And besides pay that off first and then I can take a vacation. So uh, my, one of my best friends lent me money too. And so it's like, I can't take a vacation. And so, but I need one and because I'm just going crazy. And, uh, you know, and then you have these, like, these trades that, well, you would know. You, I mean, because you, you do it, you, you've got now maybe your, your key trades. But I, do, I don't have a, a group of, a fleet of people that I know and trust and, like, that know all to work together. Yeah. So I'm trying to get these guys that have some time in between their jobs and they'll come out and do it. And then they're doing a shitty job sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And so... Either I'm recognizing it or some other trade tells me like, oh, this is not how it's supposed to be, right? And I was like, oh, well, now I got to fix it. And it's either I tell them and they're not answering or they're said it's fine or maybe they'll come and fix it, but it's mostly unlikely. So I got to figure it out. I either do it myself or pay another person to fix it. So now I've paid for the job twice, right? <laughs> and there's like all these like little yeah. things. And uh, so I think the... For a, 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 the biggest, the easiest thing that the difference between me and, a, and a, someone that does this full time, like it's been doing it for many years, the easiest thing they have compared to me is they've got reliable trades that they know and trust yeah. because I didn't. And that made it difficult. And so near the maybe halfway to, to end, I was like, I was no longer going for like the cheapish ones. I was going for like the older, educated, like <laughs> like old school guys, right? Like oh my God, like these old Italians were amazing, (laughs) right? And so like, it kind of made me, uh, it wasn't really race, but it was about stereotypes. And like the millennials that were growing up here were shit because like they just expected everything and did nothing. Um, If they were a millennial immigrant, they were amazing because they came from nothing and they're such a hard worker. So like, you know, or, or if they were like old school, and they grew up like, you know, in, in the whatever, 60s and 70s, they know like what true work is, right? And uh, so I kind of got, got a feeling for that and, you know, you figure it out after. But And you also, you never pay for a job completely when it, unless it's 100% done. Like we were just doing installments and the installments were all great. And then he's like, oh, can I get the last one? I'm like, oh, sure, you're almost there. And then it's like, no, nope, that's, that's it. Like as soon as you pay them, they don't show up. And I was like, well, you fuck, right? Like, uh, so that's happened a couple, like my painter, he never finished a couple things and I was like, oh, I was painting myself, I guess. Right. So, uh, it was, it was a struggle. I cannot Um, understand that mindset. It makes no, it makes no sense. Well, how is your reputation not more important than like a $2,000 paycheck? I'll I'll tell you why it's, it's not about your reputation because you're working for a guy that might not build again. And remember this was uh, 2018. So this was like the boom summer of 2018 was like, 
like it was so hard to get. Everyone was building, right? And uh, it was really hard to get people. And so uh, they could charge what they wanted and, you know, uh, get away with whatever because, uh, and so like, Karma is a thing though, man. Van- Greater yeah. Vancouver is so small. Yeah. You talking to me, I'm a realtor. Yeah. Sell 120 places a year. Now I tell 120 people, right? Like it, it just, it keeps exploding. Yeah. How do people not think about that? <laughs> for showing up for whatever, another day of work to finish the painting. Oh, I know. Like it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Happens all the time though. I hear, especially yeah. in trades, I hear so much about that stuff in home renos and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing people say is like pay 50% at the beginning. Don't pay them until it's completely done. Yeah. 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 I mean, work out some plan, but make sure it's worth it for them to come back. Totally. That's the thing, right? Even one of my good guys, like that was amazing. Um, he, he held back a little bit and then uh, he's like, he asked for the payment, but he's like, and then he caught himself. He's like, oh, but make sure it's enough that I can get back. I'm like, whoa, like I trust him anyways, but like, it was really kind of neat to hear that from him. It's like, you know, he wants that motivation too. Right. Mm. And so, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a really good lesson. And, um, and so like, I remember like, the fence is one of the last things you do. And so like I had a couple of quotes and because I'm sharing, like the neighbor was nice to, you know, she said, yeah, I'll pay for half. Yeah. She doesn't, she's, it's, it's the landlord. Like they live in LA actually. And so I went with like the higher quote and I showed her all the quotes. Right. And she's like, Oh, like, you know, um, how about we go with another one? Or maybe like, let me get a quote. I said, that's fine. You can get a quote. If you want to do it, I'm happy to pay half, but you have to run the project. Then you're going to be there making sure they do a good job because I'm done with babysitting these people. It's something so simple. So for an extra $500, that's $250 each. I don't mind $250. I'll, I'll manage it. I'll make sure they do a good job. And mm. because I, it's not worth a headache for me. Totally. And because I've got all these other mm. headaches that are worth way more than $250. Like we're talking tens of thousands of dollars, right? And, you know, I just, uh, I just, and so after I kind of explained that to her, then she's like, okay, yeah, go ahead. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You do your thing. You're going to manage it all too? Yeah. <laughs> You've already spent time getting these three quotes, meeting them at all different times of the day. Exactly. Right? Like, you know, and I, I, I'm going to want a, something good because I'm going to live here. Like, you know, don't worry. I'm not going to rip you off. And uh, yeah, so it worked out. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I remember the first photo you, I think it was the first photo you posted when it was done <laughs> was like a photo of like your kitchen dining area and the dining room was just three pinball machines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. We, I call the, 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 the dining room, the pinball, the pinball room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my island is, it's 10 feet long. So there's enough for everyone to eat there or sit down and eat. So I'm like, I'm not going to use a dining room table. Mm. So I wired for it. There's a, there's a, there's a spot right, right in the right spot, not in the center of the room because there's a walkway, so it's off-centered. It's where the table would actually sit. And uh, it's, it's capped off and there's machines there. And uh, it's great, you know. Um, and people, like, you know, when they don't know and they walk in, they're like, whoa, like, pinball, that's cool, that's crazy. And so it's kind of neat. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's like, play. Like, oh, no, I can't. I'm like, no, no, no. It's meant to be, like, played. Go ahead. And uh, it's, uh, I actually enjoy the reactions more so with the older people because. Like when I had pinball, remember I had it growing up in my house in my parents' basement. Yeah. So we would always host, um, you know, the family over and they're like, you know, well, Nick and stuff would be there. And, and so, and it was really cool because this the pinball was the link with the old and the new. 
because the old generation remembered it and they would come and play. Like they don't play video games. Like my uncles weren't playing video games, but they would play pinball. And even like, I don't, you know, Joe, uh, Nick, Nick's yeah. dad, he would go and play Whitewater and play those games in my basement. And it was really cool that like my full family could have this one special connection together that normally you wouldn't really have as much. So um, it's, it's really cool to like, to combine the old generation with the new generation and, and kind of have that fusion together. And I find that pinball is actually very social. It's a thing where like, people don't realize it. It's actually, a, you can play usually up to four players and you, you take turns and you alternate. But uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and, you know, you can be competitive as well. If you, you can take it casually, it can be competitive. And um, for some of the people that don't know, like pinball is not just keeping the ball up. That, that's like fun for like, you know, 20 seconds. But what is, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like a video game. You have to, there's rules and you have to learn it and there's a whole story behind it. So like when you're playing pinball, there's things that will unlock certain features, certain functions, and, you know, give you uh, different, like, multi-balls and different jackpots. A jackpot is something where uh, it's a critical time. It's either timed or you have multiple balls. And it's hard to control multiple balls at the same time. And so there'll be a special shot that's a jackpot, and it's worth, like, a lot of points because it's hard to keep on shooting that shot over again. And sometimes it'll be roaming, sometimes... You know, it'll be a particular just difficult shot that's always lit. Sometimes it's lit and then you got to do something to relight it again. And so part of pinball, part of the enjoyment is pinball is discovering these rules and figuring them out and figuring out how to master it and figuring out how to manipulate it. Yeah. Like, oh, well, if I just did this and this, it's way easier than doing all these things. And so that's, uh, that's, that's how people, once people discover that, I'd say 80% of people like, like pinball after that. But if they don't like... I've got like four machines in my house right now. And my rule is like, pick a machine and stay on it. Because yeah. if you pick it and then go to another and then go to another, you kind of just like have fun for like a couple seconds, but you don't learn the machine. If you stay on that machine for, you know, 10 minutes, half an hour, right? half an hour is a little long, but I mean, if they, if they start to learn it, then they'll really, it'll grab them. And they're like, oh, like this is how to unlock that. Or, oh, I got this far. I want to go a little farther, right? And, they'll, and the, famous, the famous line is like, one more game. And it's like, I remember like the first time I got my first machine, holy, it was like me and my like closest friends, one more game. And it was like four in the morning. Like we played all night. Like it was just like, I, I couldn't believe there was a machine in my house and we played like so much and it was just, it's just like amazing. It's fun. Yeah. So. Would you build another house? Would you do it again? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. After uh, I forget, I'm starting to forget on like the difficulties because yeah. you remember all the good stuff, right? Totally. It's, it's kind of like uh, going to the casino. If you ever hear your friends going to the casino, you always hear about just the wins. You never hear about the losses, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So um, it's, it's, I'm starting to forget and I'm looking for another project. Uh, probably I would do, I would prefer to do like a big renovation mm -hmm. than a full build because uh, especially in the city of Vancouver, they're so damn strict on like, when demolishing was very particular, like, uh, you know, the, uh, with the nature and the mitigation part. And then there's also like, uh, uh, well, I guess it's good for the environment. They, you, the city of Vancouver specifically builds to a much stricter standard. So, uh, for example, Fortis gas, they give you there, there's like, uh, these, uh, credits. If you, if you, uh, build to a certain, uh, power, uh, I guess, what is it like a E whatever the uh, efficiency is for yeah. like green. And there it says 
in the in the province of British Columbia, it says up to I think twenty five hundred dollars uh, allowance, and then there's an asterisk. It says except for the city of Vancouver, because the city of Vancouver already builds to what you want them to what they're hoping that you would build to for that grant. So because uh, everyone then in Vancouver building a new house would get that grant, so I understand why they did it. But it's like, oh man, so you know like. Two by, here's an interesting thing. Um, so uh, you, most houses are built two by six now mm-hmm. for insulation. Uh, you, in Vancouver, uh, you need the efficiency of like a two by eight. So uh, the way I did it, uh, I used a two by six and then I used uh, two inches of insulation for exterior. It's like rigid exterior insulation. And so um, that just provides like uh, kind of a better layer but uh, I was talking to like a the, a builder, and they like do a lot of like green lead lead buildings like gold and platinum. And she said uh, she was telling me the best houses like for is actually two by they're built out of two by fours. I'm like, what? She's like, well, you would double two by fours. Oh yeah, staggered yeah. because where you normally lose it is in the the actual the stud right because the stud's not insulated. It's a poor right. wood is a poor insulator, right. and. Uh, so if you stagger them, then there's always like that really thick wall of insulation, the, the, well, you know, three and a half inches of it or, or whatever. Um, so that was interesting. Um, I also went to like a, a lot of uh, kind of um, like you go to builders conferences or like, you know, and they talk about all the different materials. And so I snuck into a couple uh, seminars and uh, one kind of was kind of funny. They talked about uh, the most... If, like money-wise, efficient way to heat up a house, to build and heat a house. And do you know what the most cost-effective way to heat a house is, considering the, the, the cost of to build a house? Do you, what would you, would you guess? <clears throat> I would guess on-demand hot water. Yeah. Hot water, eh? No, no. Some kind of essential no, no, air furnace, some kind of central unit, I'd say. Like just like, the, like how you would build it, how, how you would build it and heat it. Like for the most cost efficiency over like, I think, I can't remember if it was like 15 years or something, but like maybe 20 years, it was like. Because so, solar is probably too expensive to install. Inefficient right? right now too. Yeah. 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 So it's actually like, a, it's kind of a dirty answer. It's the truth, but it's, it's, it's not allowed. It's two by four, or uh, sorry, not two by four, plywood and gas fire, uh, like wood burning fireplace. Wood. Huh. So basically no insulation and just burning wood is the cheapest way to, to do a house, like, which is unrealistic for, for comfort and for environment. <laughs> but that's the cheapest way is just to burn like a fireplace in the middle of your house oh. and, and do that. And so basically he's showing you like, well, you know, and, and so, you know, we've come a long ways, but like, and, uh, you know, basically with technology, they, they're pushing forward, but it's always the most expensive. Like the, the, if you look at like, lead is the uh, design of how, uh, green, uh, green it is and they have like bronze uh, I don't know if it's for residential or just commercial but bronze uh, silver yeah commercial and they have that standard and basically if you're doing like gold or platinum you're paying like through the nose like just ridiculous amounts of money but uh, those fund uh, like for the everyday things just like mm. in cars the F1 have the craziest technology or the Mercedes-Benz uh, S-Class has the crazy, and then it trickles down over the years to like the, the more entry-level cars. 
and 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 so the same thing with the house. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, Speaking of car, I'm mm. test driving a Tesla on Saturday. Are you? Mm. Okay, you tell me one. which one, the Model 3? <laughs> yeah. And is it because you you considering to buy one? Yes. Okay. My lease is up in October, and uh, so I'll probably get rid of that car in the summer. Yeah. And I need something different. And uh, are you looking at the standard range plus, or which one are you? I think I would want the all-wheel drive right. two-motor one. Yeah. But I also really, really like the look of the Model Y. Right. So I almost want to wait. And I don't know how long that's going to be because I know there's some big delays now with coronavirus and all that stuff. Can, can you wait? Why? I should wait for it? Uh, I can wait. I just need to get a car in the mid, in the, in the midterm. So uh, I have to buy some. I'll just, I can just buy something cheap for six months. Yeah. Uh, the Model Y currently is the most, uh, like, most the most modern technology in it. Like, like I can't think of the right word, but it's, if you want the most cutting edge car right now, it's the Model Y. I just, I like the size too. The Model 3 is, is quite small. It's, 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 it's similar price. It's going to be a little more than the all-wheel drive, but uh, you're going to get a power tailgate, right? So that's nice. And you get a hatch, which is like huge. I have no need for uh, a four-door sedan, but I have it. And, uh, you know, I have a lot invested in my Tesla and if I, you know, I'd love to get the Model Y when it comes out, but I probably won't. I'll, I'll just wait for the Cybertruck. But uh, you're gonna get a Cybertruck? Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Unreal. Well, I, I've got a Tacoma and I use it for work, and I've got the Tesla that I use every day, and I love my Tesla. But it's just like it's silly to for me to have a truck sitting there, Tacoma, a newer, newish one. It's like ten years old, I guess now, but and pay for insurance. So it's like, well, I could combine them both into one. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this. Uh, I'm I'm a little behind on my finances because of this coronavirus, but uh, if I, I I haven't I have the until the end of 2021 to save up. Uh, you know me, I I don't do halfway; I go all the way. Yeah. <laughs> and there was some there was some bad news for me because uh, so there's three models of 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 this. There's the uh, the single like rear wheel drive t- Cybertruck. Then there's the all wheel drive. And then the one that I put to deposit was, it's called the tri-motor. So there's two motors in the rear, one for each wheel and one in the front. <laughs> the bad news was uh, a couple of weeks ago, Elon kind of mentioned that they're going to have uh, a plaid powertrain in as an upgrade option for the, the tri-motor. So the plaid powertrain, so have you seen space balls? Yeah. Okay. There's different speeds when they go different speeds. Yeah. And so I think, I think there's insane. And insane was like when the Tesla first came out with the all-wheel drive. That was a three point uh, zero to sixty or sixty miles or hundred kilometers an hour in uh, three point two seconds. So they called that insane. And then they figured out because uh, it was drawing around like eleven hundred amps, and they figured out how to like use a special kind of electronic fuse and get thirteen hundred amps. And because it was quite a bit faster, first it was like two point nine, then they got it. The new ones now are two point four, actually two point two point three, two point three, <clears throat> the fastest accelerating car in the world right now. Um, they have to call it something different. So the next in the space balls uh, is ludicrous. And so they get, let's go ludicrous speed. And there's a cool little segment if you want to watch it on that. And uh, the only thing faster than ludicrous is plaid. And so the new Roadster is going to have the, the plaid mode. And it's going to be insane. So they're right now, uh, I'm thinking it'll be in the next couple of months. I don't know, but it'd be for sure this year. I'm pretty cool. The Model S will have the plaid powertrain. They're going to test it out with that or test it as in like launch it. So this truck is going to have it and it's just like, oh shit, like 
the truck already is going to be expensive because I'm getting the top one. And then they're going <laughs> to add this add-on. And so now I'm like, I'm probably going to be in the territory where uh, after a certain amount in BC, you pay luxury tax. And then after 125000 you pay, it's a 25% tax essentially. So yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, What's the luxury tax? So uh, after 66000 you pay like 3%. What? More tax. Really? I didn't so know instead that. of 12, you pay 15%. Yeah. And right now, uh, the, the ICBC changed it about two years ago. Now, any car over 125,000, you pay, uh, I think it was 17%. So, anyways, it works out to with GST and PST, it's 25%. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's been, it's, you know, people that buy the exotic cars here in Vancouver. They've either stopped or found different ways to buy it because it's like, you know, you're going to have to pay. Like if, if you're buying a four or $500,000 car, like $25,000 yeah, in taxes. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a you know, hundred grand in taxes. It's ridiculous. But what about like commercial vehicles and stuff like that? Do they look at that differently? Like if someone's buying like a big truck for something, do they still get taxed? I tax? think they don't because it's, a, I think luxury means like you don't need it. So right? could you do it for your business somehow? Kind of figure out a loophole? It's not a bad idea. Uh, something to look into. Uh, I know, so for the, the Model X, the SUV for yeah. Tesla, in the States, because it's over, it's a very heavy, like Teslas are heavy because of the batteries. And so it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the, it's I think it's over 4,000 pounds. So because it's that, it's classified as like a heavy duty truck. And so if you buy the Model X in the States, you can like write off like most of it off. And like, it's, 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 it's pretty incredible. So Maybe like that, something in Canada might, might, might be possible because uh, it will be for work. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, got to get those pinball machines out really fast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know because uh, originally when the ludic- ludicrous option was an option, uh, originally it was like 20,000 US dollars. So, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Uh, maybe Elon will make it cheaper. I don't know. Don't, probably not. <laughs> so I should wait for the Model Y. Yeah, the Model Y. Um, <clears throat> It's so nice. So yeah, you, you, oh, it it's, so it's a bigger and heavier vehicle and it has the same size battery. So you're thinking, well, if it's got the same size battery, but it's less aerodynamic and it's heavier, it must have less range, but it doesn't. It has about the same. And that's because of the technology. They're, they're, uh, they put in the Model Y, they put a heat pump in it. And so heat pumps, as you know, are like the most efficient thing for creating heat and air conditioning. And uh, actually I had a friend that uh, worked on that system at Tesla. Uh, he's, he's actually a rocket engineer and he left the company since to work for a rocket company. But uh, <laughs> um, so you're getting that technology and you're going to get little things like you, like the, the center console, it's got a wireless charging pad. I think the Model 3s will start coming out with it, but they don't have it now. You get that. Um, but I think just for the hatchback, it's so convenient to have a hatch. Totally. As, like you, you would know, like, you know, I'm sure you carry a lot of, like, being a realtor, there's always like signs and stuff. It's Golf just, clubs. everything fits a lot better. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, and uh, I would consider waiting. I don't know how long, so I'll look into that. Well, as they were as- saying the first delivery of Model Y was middle of 2020, middle of 2020. But I think that's been pushed back because of coronavirus. Yeah, it won't be pushed back much. No. Uh, Elon has been pushing a lot to get it going because essentially it's like I think they make what was it like 1100 cars a day like that's model wow. three was it a, maybe a week 
anyways, it works out to like 50, 50 million a day or like, uh, I think two weeks is like 500 million, whatever it worked out to be. So, it was, uh, so anyways, he wants mm. to get going. Like, cause every day is like really okay. crucial. Right. And, Remember you uh, talking about $200 a day? Yeah, I know. Right? Talking about 50 million a day. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, how it works is federally, they said, yeah, like good manufacturing is good to go. Mm-hmm. Then you have your state. They're good to go. And then you have the city, which is like, yeah, but in between the city and the state, there's the county. Yeah. And the county <laughs> says, uh, like, no, we're not ready yet. We can talk about it, but like, let's talk about it in a couple of weeks. And Elon's like, no, like, I'm not waiting. We're, we're going. They're like, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah. Okay, workers, come to Tesla. And so like Monday, this Monday, uh, yeah, this Monday, uh, he was told not to go and he's like, yeah, I'm going. And he tweeted at 1 PM. He's like, yeah, we're working. And, uh, if, and I'm on the line too. So if anyone's get arrested, I only ask that it be me. And it's like, it's crazy. So, but, uh, and there's a lot of like, and they're, you know, uh, he's on that Monday. They also sued the County for telling them that they can't. So he, and it's funny, like, and uh, the people, the, what do you call the, the firm? Yeah. He doesn't use like, you know, average people. They're considered the top four, fourth, uh, the, sorry, companies that over worth uh, over a billion dollars in, in revenue every year. Uh, they said these, this is one of the fourth uh, feared companies, law firm companies uh, in the world or in, I guess, North America. So it's like, he's not messing around. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, it's really interesting to see. It's, it's heated up because there's like, there's like, there's hardcore Elon Musk fans, right? Like they just drink the Kool-Aid. I'm maybe a little bit of that, but then, uh, because he's been such a, he's had a really big stance on, uh, opening up like, you know, freedom, like, uh, like, well, I don't know if you saw the joke. Did you watch the Drogon show? So he was like, yeah, like, you know, this is like one of our amendment rights, Totally. you know? Um, and, and so he's got a lot of good points there and, but a lot of people are like, no, like, what do you mean? And, but, uh, you know, if you look at the facts of, 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 of the, as an engineer, I'm not really interested in the news. I'm just interested in like numbers and facts and, you know, and it's a very dangerous virus, but it's mostly dangerous for like people that are at risk, yeah. right? Obese or asthma or especially the elderly. And uh, so if you are not that, and if you are not around people like that, then, you know, then it's fine, right? And so, uh, well, fine is in like, you know, as long as you're with your, your circle of social, uh, uh, sorry, your circle of, socializing, you know, as long as you're not going with people that are at risk, it's, it's okay. It's fine. And we got to remember that they have a plant in China right now. And that's like China's full tilt ahead, right? They've been full tilt for like, I don't know, a month now. And they are practicing these social distancing and they're practicing safe, safe manufacturing. And so they're like, we're just, you know, Elon's like, yeah, like we've already got our plan. And we've been doing this and it's been working really well in China. So we're just going to copy that same plan. You know, they're, you know, testing, uh, heat gunning or heat, uh, whatever temperature sensing with people yeah. as they go in and, you know, making sure they have the proper PPE <clears throat> and safety precautions and, you know, away you go. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, and I'm for, I, I, I believe uh, what he's doing is, is, I think is you made fun. such a good point in that podcast of just like, you need to l- Educate people on the risks involved, yeah, and then let them make decisions, right? Yeah, like people drive every day. People get killed in car accidents every day. There's Absolutely. a risk involved in driving a car 120 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. It's similar, 
Yeah. Sure. There, it's it's very different being like a virus that is very contagious. I understand that. But at the same time, I think he's on the right track of like, when people understand the risks, it's really up to them to determine how they want to live their life. Yeah. And forcing them to stay home and have zero income and them go bankrupt. Like, how is that any better? Yeah. And he, he commented, he's like, I understand the risks. I understand if I get this virus, it could kill me. Likely is not going to kill me, but it could. I would rather go to work and take the risk. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's fine. As long as you know the numbers and understand the risk, you know, because like a lot of people don't, like you said, don't know the risk of driving to work. Like, exactly. you know, I, I don't want to say that it's more likely than the coronavirus, but maybe, maybe you have a greater chance of dying on the way to work than you do have from the, from the coronavirus. I don't know. Well, or NBC smoking, right? Like yeah. how many people smoke? Oh yeah. Smoking kills more people. Or obesity or not here, but pollution wise, like there's so many different ways. Right. And, uh, so it's, it's, uh, you know, not, not to take anything away from the danger of this, but, uh, it's up, it's up to like people to decide. And, you know, if, if you're, if you're just, you're, you know, with you living with healthy people, then you're not like the, the chances are very low and why not? Right. Why, like, why, why does someone say you can't, you can't go to work because it, it's going to danger some other people that are like, you know, maybe not are more susceptible to it. Like if you're not going to be affected, like, you know, this is hurting the economy a lot. Right. And long-term effects are going to be much more worse than I think people even realize. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that have certain surgeries that are like, that are really important, like transplants or, you know, that, that are wait, they're waiting for something, but now they have, they've been postponed because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know someone that works at the St. Paul's and I know that St. Paul's is running at 50% capacity right now. Like, like it's, it's, it's pretty spare in there right now. I have a client who's a ner- uh, an ER nurse at St. Paul's Yeah, and he's like, there's nothing to do. No one's here. I go into work and just like, I work for two hours out of a 12 hour shift because there's nothing to do. There's no one here. Yeah. That's and, crazy. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, because there's people that do need medical attention mm-hmm. and uh, I know it's a tricky balance because, you know, if there's like, these waves, but uh, BC is one of the, the uh, it's one of the best provinces and I think it's, it is the best province per capita, you know, um, as far as like, I follow the, the numbers every day. There's a really good website and uh, it's, you know, there's like, what, like maybe 20 cases a day or something. Like it's so minimal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, you have to weigh the risk of like, you know, like, uh, like I said, three businesses, three bars of mine have shut down since this virus. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, that's like the business owners, but there's also like all the employees and, you know, like workers of all this and it affects a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it, it's, there's so much that goes on, right. Cause it goes yeah. down to janitors and like businesses like yours that are supplements to the bars Absolutely. and then like food suppliers and employees, like you mentioned, but they're just like, it's a continuous snowball. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just you know, a couple of people. It's like the domino effect. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's wild times we're in right now, man. It is. It is wild. Hopefully we're, uh, on the uprising now. Yep. Hopefully we're s- slowly starting to sneak out of this shell that we've been under for the last six weeks. It seems like. I hope. Thanks for coming on, man. It yeah, was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. It was fun. We'll do it again. Anytime. I want to play some pinball now. I'm fired up. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know all the rules and I want, I feel like I need to maybe go over to Nick's basement and just <laughs> spend an hour on, yeah. what was it? Whitewater? Whitewater. Whitewater. Yeah.
But if, I feel like if you could figure out the progression, then you get addicted. Oh yeah, because I feel like you have that personality for sure. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that like competitive personality too. It's like, oh, I can, I can beat Nick's high score. Yeah, because like Nick is not that great at pinball. Like, he's okay, <laughs> but like you know, like uh, uh, who is uh, Brew uh, Matt? He's he's uh, he's very into that. Huh. Is he? Yeah, he's addicted, and he was like coming quite a bit over That's there. That's hilarious. Yeah. So just for that one machine. Yep. Yeah, because yep. he only has one, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for a while, uh, Nick was bored a couple, I think, for a party that he had. And I know then his neighbors got addicted and they were oh. coming over like every day to play uh, Sopranos. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and do all your machines, they have a high score, all of them? <clears throat> yep, they usually, yeah. um, they'll have five high scores. So they call it like the Grand Champ and then yeah. number one, two, three, four. So there's five in total usually. So, so when you first get your machine, do you try to set the highest score? Yep. And have you ever like, I guess gone back to a machine a few years down the road and still been the top? So, uh, yes, but usually (laughs) not. And the reason, one of the reasons, not always the reason, but the reason is when I move a a game from one location to another, I reset the high scores because it's a different place with different people and even the environment that it's set up is going to be different. It's going to play different. Right. And so I feel like give people a fresh start and uh, let them let them try to put up, and it's just like we just, we've got some amazing players here where they can put up some really good high scores, and it's kind of like it's um, it's just like oh, I can't score. How, like literally, some points are like a billion points, and it's like how am I going to get a billion? Totally, yeah. even just like the excitement for a machine in a new place, starting from zero. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like if you see a billion points as the highest score. You're- <laughs> Like I'll play this once. I got a hundred thousand points. I'm not even close. I'm probably going away. Yeah. Whereas, like, if the high score is three hundred thousand, I get a hundred thousand. I'm like, oh, I can get better at this thing. Right? Totally. Yeah. I like it. All right, let's get out of here. Cool.